All right, and we are back. The Financial Decapitation Podcast is back for episode seven. Uh, this is Sarkis. Uh, joining me today are my two co-hosts. Michael. Oh, uh, you're Peter. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <right. laughs> oh, yeah, I, I was confused there. Uh, yeah, that was Michael. the point. Yeah, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> Uh, yeah, Michael and uh, and Peter. Peter. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully that's not too confusing. But <laughs> uh, brilliant. Um, so uh, you know we've been uh, we've been off for a little while. Uh, kind of been busy with um, new work, uh, midterms and finals, and craziness yeah. at school. Uh, but we are back, and uh, we have a pretty big episode today. We're actually going to hit a few different topics. Um, uh, everything from kind of a recap of the decade for like just kind of big events, uh, big news uh, throughout throughout the whole decade. Yeah. Um, we're also gonna do uh, talk about some tips for uh, college graduates. Mm-hmm. Um, you know how to save money, um, kind of good uh, healthy fin- uh, finance habits, um, and lastly, just kind of uh, other kind of recent news or kind of any sort of articles or, or interesting bits that we've kind of haven't touched on the last uh, couple of months since our last episode yeah, um a lot has happened since a yeah a lot has yeah. happened uh so uh starting off uh what do you guys say should we uh start oh, well, off with should, the... should we describe our spread that we have today well uh, i mean oh, right. i just All kind right. of figured that not only is 2019 ending ending but the decade is ending so it's a good idea to round up not just this year's information but like the last decade and not just well yeah but did, did you want to talk about the oh, spread oh, oh, oh. We, yeah, yeah oh yeah <laughs> so so <laughs> today's wine is uh sake rice wine and, and soju and then once we're running out we're of sake barbecue after uh the rice the sake is ozeki sake dry and I've had this bottle; it's pretty good, and so we're gonna go for it again. And the soju is a Korean soju, uh, chum, churum. Uh, is that how you say it, Mike? Chum, chum. Okay. Wow, I butchered chum. that shit. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I just, yeah, chum, yeah, yeah, yeah. Chum, chum, churum is what you can read in English, I guess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes, uh, it says mild, sixteen point eight percent. It's imported. Um, had this at the uh, Peter's birthday, and it was good. I think, I think, mean, G-Sun, yeah, G-Sun brought a huge thing of that, and. Yeah, no, that's that's the way the Koreans turn up, man. That's that's a good a good way to do it. For cheese, we actually have a pretty good selection. We have uh, some cheese bites with truffle from Trader Joe's. <laughs> <laughs> we have uh, some fresh mozzarella balls. We have mozzarella sticks, and we have um, they're like uh, homemade cheesecake snacks called sandaki. Uh They're uh, Russian Russian snacks. Love these things. Been eating them all my life. Uh, don't eat too many because they're really fatty. But yeah, those things are delicious. Oh, what, what's the difference between the bars? Um, these There's, are just like fancy boxes that they put the bars inside of. Oh wow! Oh, so they're the same thing. Yeah, just, same just, thing, just, just different packaging. Yeah. Oh, I see. So oh. these look kind of fancy. Honestly, they're all really good. I I've been picking out like picking and choosing between the ones I thought like the creamiest or the best, or like mm-hmm. the random like mass-produced ones. Yeah. You have companies know. like Dadu that make the mass-produced ones. These are bomb. They taste homemade. They taste good. I'd mm. highly recommend them. I I am excited to try that. Oh, and we have some crackers, some like rosemary and herb crackers. Yeah. Something like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, uh, oh, sure. oh uh, one last update. Uh, uh, 
if any of your listeners are actually uh, can see on your podcast app, we have a logo. Uh, oh, we have yeah, a very yeah. nice new logo. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Courtesy of uh, my girlfriend, who does a lot of graphic design and a lot of artsy stuff on the side of her, her work. Uh, she designed our logo. It was a process that took quite a long time, <laughs> partially on, on my behalf of having the final design for about a month and a half and completely forgetting that, forgetting that was in my email. But, uh, but yeah, we, we finally got it up. Uh, courtesy, kudos to Sarkis to put that up for us. But, yeah, Spotify, iTunes, I'm assuming, has it, right? Yeah. yeah it's, it's, I went on Spotify because I just recently signed up for the first time in ever because I never liked streaming services for, for music till now. <laughs> and I, I saw the logo, and it looked good. I like yeah. it. Yeah, it popped up, and, and I, I, I forgot I subscribed to it. So, so when I saw it, I was like, whoa, 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 it's popping up <laughs> on the popular screen. And, and that, that, like, that got me really excited. Yeah, um, that was cool. Yeah, kudos to Jisun. She she killed it. Yeah, so. um, you, if, if any of you get a chance, we'll uh, we'll be sure to put her uh, link in or some or something with her information. Uh, if any of you are interested in having good pieces of artwork done. Yeah. Right, so well, uh, uh, cheers, right, cheers, cheers yeah, to the cheers. end of the decade. Yep. And the start of the, the end one. is nigh. Ooh, that's really good. We should have had more sake. <laughs> wow, that's smooth. Yeah, that's that's just about it. Hmm. All right, well, why don't we get started with the uh, the news roundup? Uh, why don't we start off with 2019 first, and then we can talk about the whole decade. Um, yeah, 2019. Um, 2019 was, was really nuts. Fucking crazy year. <laughs> yeah, uh, crazy year. So something that happened since the last time we talked that everyone has been talking about is the Cybertruck. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. God. And I think that's news (laughs) for the decade, too, because when you have disruptors like Elon Musk coming in, changing the industry, and then they produce something like the Cybertruck that's just so different that you have to talk about it. You can't ignore it. It's it's ugly, in my opinion. But yeah. but the technology is is crazy because they're offering ridiculous ranges, huge power, all this adaptive technology like autonomous driving, and you know, it's uh, it's supposed to have like crazy torque numbers, and it's supposed to be able to do these really impressive things. It's supposed to have bulletproof uh, glass and bulletproof side panels and stuff. Well, you know, my, my uncle ordered one. He's back ordered right now. I think he's on like a three-year waiting list. Oh, yeah. They had a massive list of people backordering this yeah. stuff. And it's not a matter of whether it's ugly or good-looking. It's just the fact that it's so different. Yeah. Yep. It's, um, and interestingly enough, uh, despite the uh, kind of, I guess, mixed reception of the Cybertruck, um, Tesla stock has not performed badly at all. No. Um, I don't know how that happened. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm honestly, probably one of the most baffling things I've seen right now is the fact that Tesla skyrocketed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So fast. And it, and it passed the, the 420 uh, mark, which was uh, I'm sure you know, infa- <laughs> Elon's infamous uh, tweet uh, <laughs> going private. That's well, right. I'm assuming they're not going private now. No, no. <laughs> I don't think so. No, they're knees deep after that truck, so that's, <laughs> yeah, they can't go private now, I don't think. But. Is that even a truck? It's like a polygon, dude. My... It's like a fourth grader went on MS Paint and just drew a triangle yeah, and put exactly. some wheels on it. It's something out of a PS1 game. It really is. <laughs> Honestly, like, I, you know, and more or less, I, I could get over the truck's design, but the fact that, you know, they were 
really pushing this bulletproof window thing. <laughs> and it was and I was like, you know what? It's an ugly ass truck, but hey, bulletproof windows, that's really awesome. Throws a metal ball at it and shatters the thing. And he's like, oh, well, let me try it a second time on the back windows. Shatters it, too. I'm like, dude, oh, my God. Like, save face while you still can. It's over. It's over. <laughs> Somehow their stock goes up. Yeah, that's confusing, man. Yeah, that's... that's uh, Dude, they had so many pre-orders. So many, People are still pre-ordering it now. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. I, like... I don't know what expectations people have once they get this car. There was talks of like how it's too big to fit in your garage or your driveway. The fact that like it looks so weird that the panels had to be shaped out of uh, some type of metal that was so thick that that's the reason why it had the shape is you can't shape those panels. Mm-hmm. It's some like material they use on aircraft was pretty much uh, meant for aircraft and the material is like a uh, it can't be bent or flexed, so that kind of makes the shape of the vehicle. is uh, It's material that needed to be flat. So they said, hey, let's make a car that's designed completely flat so we can put this crazy material on it. And that way you don't have to spend the time of actually designing the exterior of a vehicle. You save money on that, and you save money on like stamping out these like weirdly shaped panels. I mean, they're kind of expensive panels to begin with, so you don't uh, like the consumer doesn't really save money, but... It's, I mean, it's a way of designing it. It's, it's weird, it's new, it's different. I don't like it, but, you know, it's there. Yeah, I'm just surprised they had so many back orders despite such a horrible launch or, or an introduction of the product. I mean, imagine if Apple did something like that. They would probably have a pretty decent impact or any other, you know, uh, producer. But Tesla somehow figured out a way to just weather it through and not just weather it through, but be completely better off. And I don't know how, you know, a company just goes about doing that. You know, yeah. You, just, you fail so bad that you succeed. Their stock is at an all-time high. So yeah. they fail of... upwards. Yeah, they failed upwards. <laughs> they, they honestly, like, they tripped and instead of breaking a bone, they got, like, a bionic piece attached to them. And they're like, oh, hey, better off than I was before. Like, no, nah, I'm good. It's like when you lose an arm, but they replace you with, like, a like a robotic arm that's, like, better than humans. Yeah. And... <laughs> You're like, you just well, got an upgrade. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's Horrible. a. I don't know. I don't know. News of twenty nineteen. It's a. It's a, an interesting year we've had. That I mean, that's what I'm saying. This this year alone has been one of the most profound and confusing years we've had. I mean, IPO storm that we've had this this last yeah. year is something that's just odd. You know, odd in terms of all financial and economic history to see all these IPOs go in and almost all of them succeed. Now, a lot of them have leveled out. You know, Beyond Meat <clears throat> is not doing hot anymore. They're they're plateaued. I mean, they're yeah. still up quite a lot from their initial... Oh, yeah. They are. Yeah. 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 But but if you but if you look at their, their trend, they, though... Yeah. They, they have uh, definitely they plateaued at this point. Yeah. Uh, uh, but, I and mean, then yeah. there are other uh, big IPOs that didn't do so hot and haven't been doing hot, both Uber and Lyft. Yeah. Still um, <laughs> not doing so great. Yeah. Um, we work. Yeah, we, we work. work. Bad. Yeah. The, I think that was the shiny example of a terrible IPO that well, never they, actually they, IPO'd. They, they never, never made it to IPO. Yeah, yeah, they never even made it to IPO. Um, I think it's because they had an IPO, and when they did have it, I think they lost a bunch of money, so they had to get reevaluated, and then they lost more money and had to get reevaluated to the point where it was like, okay, well. 
I don't I don't think an IPO makes sense anymore. It just, yeah, it's not going to happen. No one's yeah, going to buy in. They'll, you're, they'll you're only lose money. at that point. You won't raise funds if you if you do the launch, and it's not going to work. Yeah. No, no, it did not. There's a lot of other big news as well. Um, charges, charges against Huawei uh, being used as a probe by the Chinese government sparked the Chinese trade war in 2019. Yeah. That's yeah. a big one. Uh, we have uh, uh, Trump was just recently impeached. Yeah. That's a huge one for the third time in history. Yeah, third, yeah. third president in history to be impeached. I, I think I think the funniest massive. thing out, out of all of that was there there was a lot there's a lot of people I know who were under the this idea that impeached means like kicked out of office. No, and so a lot of people were step. like, yeah, he's getting removed from office, and I'm like, uh, what? Like, no, we, it we still all, has to go through the Senate. Yeah, let's go through yeah. the Senate. I'm like, there's a process to this, folks. You can't, you know, half Congress can't just be like, all right, we kicked this dude out. He's We're out. tired of him. Yeah. Goodbye. Yeah, right. You it's can't a statement, that. that's for sure. Oh, it is. But yeah. like, it, yeah, there's no actual effect of like him leaving office until it passes through the Senate. You know, I, I will say this though, I, I'm, I've always been on the fence about the guy. You know, I, I, I've never been a fan of him, but nor have I disliked him to the point where I'm like, you know. Fuck this guy. Um, I just didn't care for him. He was just there in the air. Uh, I gotta say. This state, this huge impeachment trial thing, though, this is, it's big news. Yeah. You know, I really hope, like, Congress knows that this, like, for example, this was the biggest bipartisan uh, vote we've seen in Congress on an impeachment. I mean, it was literally divided. It was was straight in half. Yeah. 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 And And every party stood in their lane, with exception of, like, one. Uh, I gotta say, it's a bit ironic that the guy who made it famous on TV for screaming "You're fired!" is now about to get fired. Yeah, he's yeah, exactly. He's on the cusp of being fired. Yeah, yeah, that's yes. a bit ironic. The, yeah, it's great. Later, sucker. <laughs> Uno reverse card. Yeah, for real. Jeez, all those people he fired are like probably laughing at their couch right now, like, haha. It's your turn now, bitch. Yeah. You reach the most prestigious position in the U.S. and then you get fired from it. Really. Your mistakes are your own, old man. Someone was planning that. Someone from like the a producer of the TV show is like, you know what? I'm going into politics with him so I can fire his ass one day. Oh my god, that, that would be an interesting investigation. Probably more fruitful than half we've seen already. Like, hey, if a producer was somehow in the midst of all this, like, yo, run yeah. for president, right? And we're gonna we're gonna record everything. <laughs> when you leave, we'll have a TV show ready for you, man. Oh, like God. you gotta win. You gotta we're win. We're gonna make so many documentaries about you. <laughs> oh my God. All of the documentaries. I think he released a book in that in his time of being a president as well. I think he released a children's book and an actual book, like, really? like an adult book. I think so. I think. All I oh. know is there was a lot of opposition books that came out. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of opposition books that Probably came out. Probably a lot more. Yeah, but but I think he did release a book. So. There, uh, there was also another uh, big news in the story of um, a, and I'm going to finger quote, okay. suicide. Oh my god, yeah. Jer- <laughs> of, uh, <laughs> How could we not mention this, Sarkis? Yeah, um, <laughs> of a... Corrupt and terrible person, uh, a financer by the name of Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah. Um, yeah. Big news. That was still out. Yeah. I, I agree with that. That was probably the biggest thing in 2019 in terms of like criminal and, and what could be conspiracy based. Uh, sex slavery ring yeah. and child pedophilia ring. Yeah. And 
we have no leads. What? Well, you, you know, it's funny. Alex Jones did a did an episode where he was pretty much saying like there was a corrupt like sex ring in the U.S. government, and you know everyone was like, "Oh, this dude's full of shit." Come on, it's Alex Jones. This dude says like frogs turn people gay. Yeah. Like, come on, dude. But you know, here we are. Where okay, I know frogs don't turn people gay, but <laughs> but the sex ring in the U.S. government. Wow, were you all, were you just about spot on on that? Like, kudos to the crazy motherfucker who says all the random shit, but he was right about one damn thing, and there's something fishy going on, and I, I guess you, we'll never know. I bet you all the random shit he says is because he saw, like, one or two things out there real that are, like, really fucked up. He's like, everything is fucked up. This, that, frogs, people's kitchens make Jesus them eat bullshit. Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> If you drink water, you're going to die in the next 30 seconds or something. Who knows, man? The, yeah, that dude's a kook, but, you know, I'll, I'll give him credit where credit's due, despite him being a crazy motherfucker. It, he he, he like, was pretty yeah. spot on about yeah. the government. He there. saw one or two things that were probably legit that, like, no one believed him because then he said so much after that that who the fuck knows what's yeah. happening. Yeah, <laughs> it got lost. Yeah. Well, he has to be crazy enough that Clinton doesn't go out and off him, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you got you to be out there enough that people will notice if you go missing. <laughs> oh, my God. Watch um, Alex Jones go missing soon. Oh, my God, oh. yeah. Conspiracy of the century. <laughs> the conspiracy theorist is dead. Oh the my conspiracy God. theorist is missing. Jeez. I can only imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that was also, the protests in Hong Kong have been going on still. Um, yeah. yeah. How it's how many months? 10, 11 months at this point. Like it's most been, of the year. Yeah. 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 It's, it's it's frightening. And yeah. and honestly, I think the thing that makes me feel worse about it is. These are people who are actually our age, a good majority of them that are leading this. Yeah. Are people our age. And like university students. Yeah. yeah. Well, did you see the video of, um, I think it was 150 or so. I think it could have been less. But they were loaded onto trains and brought to mainland China. And, you know, haven't been heard of since. And I think it's been a month since they were taken to mainland China. And, uh, yeah. yeah, I think a lot of them were like leaders or communicators, a lot of press people. Uh, which is a repeat of what, you know, early 2000, like, I think it was six or 2005 when China initially made a couple um, public, uh, not publishers, uh, reporters and a lot of the media people in Hong Kong disappear for a bit. Um, yeah, they're found later to be in like prison camps and, and, you know, because they were saying not good things about China. Yeah. So, yeah, cor corrupt China, man. It's crazy how far China will go to to protect itself. Well, I mean, totalitarianism, you can't can't have free thought in a in a world that you require yeah order <laughs> well, true order yeah sad really it's terrible huh uh, uh, i didn't hear about the the train thing that's, that's yeah. yeah oh yeah well i mean did you guys also see the video of the this uh i think it was a 17 year old or 16 year old who got shot in the chest that i saw yeah yeah, yeah. that was pretty fucking awful yeah. i mean it was point blank too the kid that kid lived I don't know how he did, but he lived, and um, you know, no, no one knows what's going on with him now. But you know, it, it's a bummer. But I will say this: I have a coworker who um, is from Hong Kong, and when I asked him, like, you know, hey, what, what do you think about what's going on in Hong Kong? He's like, you know, it's really bad, and I really hope like Hong Kong gets freedom and democracy. But I hope people don't forget that there are people who are extreme on both ends. And I was like, okay, that's interesting because I think in America. 
you know, we're so driven by the idea of revolution and freedom because, I mean, you know, look at our founding fathers, look at how our country came to fruition. You know, revolution is something in our blood and, and being able to rebel. Um, so, we, you know, initially we're just like, oh, yeah, the, the rebel, the, not the rebels, but the uh, revolutionaries in Hong Kong are like fantastic people. But there was also a banker, you know, from mainland China who works for uh, Chase Bank. Mm. They have a headquarters there. And, uh, you know, this, this dude was just going to work and he got beat up, like, mugged in front of the office that. by protesters. And so, you know, my coworker was telling me about that. And he's like, you know, I think people need to understand that, like, there's a right way to do things and there's a wrong way to do things. And if we fight the violence they have with more violence, they're only going to depict the wrong we're doing. And more people will not support us if we do that. Yeah. I was like, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a good point. You know, yeah, I mean, especially is. if the banker was just on his way to work and wasn't really doing yeah. anything you just mug him like yeah that's that's not really good for pr you know well uh, ultimately the way you get something done is you either have an overwhelming force on one side or the other which it looks like in this case is neither side because one side has military but the other side there's so many millions of people walking around the streets that can't be ignored whereas yeah. the other way of getting things done is when they compromise and meet somewhere in the middle or they agree on something that both of them can settle down on and that doesn't look like anything is happening anytime soon with a compromise. So yeah. this could last yeah. a while. Yeah. Well, I well mean, the president of Hong Kong lifted the extradition law that China imposed on Hong Kong. Yeah. But yeah. the people, apparently that was the trigger point. And now the people are saying, you know what? That's not enough now. Like, yeah. We want democracy. It. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, look, it's not the law that pissed us off. It's the last 20 years of bull crap we had to put up with. You know, you're our leader. You know, fix it for us. And she's just kind of like, well, you know, I'm going to probably get killed if I do. So y'all can deal with that. I'm just going to sit here and pretend like I'm doing something. And, you know, I feel, I feel a little bad for her because I'm sure she's standing up there like, shit, I did not sign up for this. I thought I was just going to be leading people and we're yeah. good. And now y'all are turning against our freaking captive country. Like, this is not good. <laughs> um. Yeah, so that was another uh, big piece of news. Um, let's see here, uh, other large news in twenty uh, in the last year in twenty nineteen, or stuff we kind of missed in our uh, break between episodes. Um, Twin episodes. Uh, there was a bit of info about like politics, and <laughs> there wasn't anything crazy with business. Uh, I did want to talk about like the decade stuff. Oh. oh um, uh, I did read the article. I think you guys read it too. But uh, Yahoo announcing the CEO of the year. Oh yeah. yes. Yeah. Um, uh, they announced that they decided uh, Reed Hastings was the CEO of the year, who is the CEO of Netflix, which uh, they said is up three thousand seven hundred percent in the last decade, and uh, that's it's a big number. <laughs> yeah. It's more up than any other stock on the market and it's it's believable considering that they went from humble beginnings of sending DVDs to people's homes soon to uh, licensing uh, content and streaming it in a home video on on your computer, your phone, your TV to eventually becoming a producer of their own premium content, paying producers and developers and writers and stars to create shows that are specific to Netflix that has probably come out with some really, really, really good content over the last couple of years and is now become a standard in pretty much every American home. Everyone has Netflix. And uh, it's a pretty big deal considering where they've gone from where they've come. 
Yeah, I think Netflix is one of those companies that's a really good example of a company that has adjusted over time to what the consumers and the general market is transforming to because the counterexample to them is Blockbuster. And their lack of intuition and innovation to move with the changing technology and the changing demand. You know, I mean, Netflix did an amazing job. And I think later down the line, they realized, well, you know, streaming everyone's content is not enough. Like, we need to make content now. And Because everyone else, and I think they saw this coming, is everyone else is going to start their own services. Right. They're they're not going to, you know, they're they're not going to want to just let us borrow their shows. And that's happened. Yeah. I mean, uh, end of this, once this year ends, I believe it was The Office is moving off. To oh, NBC's uh, own streaming, streaming platform. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Friends is also going to be gone. Um, yeah. So they kind of they kind of saw it coming and they then they adjusted. Um, yeah. Which is very smart on their end. YouTube yeah. tried making their own content. That didn't really work well for them though. No, I mean I think YouTube was just yeah. built off of like free. It, it's hard. YouTube is just very unique in their service in the fact that. You know, anyone can just go on there, create their content, and anything's there. Thing but, is, you know, to, to target, I don't know how YouTube could possibly do that. YouTube kind of introduced <laughs> new content and then made you pay for the content that was new that would have otherwise normally have been free had they not done that. Well, that's what that was. From, they, like, what, I underst- from what I understand, they funded it so to a point where... Um, those creators would not have been able to make those new movies and shows without mm. like some sort of crowdfunding. And yeah, YouTube just funded it for them. But there was so little content that it wasn't worth paying the exact same price yeah. you pay everyone else for like vast, vastly superior and greater quantity content than the three or four shows that YouTube offered for like six yeah, bucks a the, month. The catalog is not nearly as expensive, uh, extensive. Um, although if anyone does have either a trial or a subscription to that YouTube, YouTube Premium, now not Red, um, uh, I recommend Cobra Kai. That's actually a really good show. Mm. Uh, continuation of the Karate Kid uh, story. You, you know, the um, I think, I think uh, what's it? YouTube did have a couple stuff on there that was in the premium that was good, but I think VRV took a lot of it from them. VRV? Uh, yeah, VRV is a centralized service for like Crunchyroll, Adult Swim, oh. all those shows. And I think YouTube had access to some of them. I remember YouTube uh, Red or Premium or whatever the hell it was had some Adult Swim content on there, mm. but I think VRV then took it, all of the Adult Swim in. And their streaming platform. And now Adult Swim is there along with Crunchyroll. And Cartoon Hangover is there. Cartoon Hangover used to be YouTube. That mm. was their origin. Hey, I just realized, why hasn't the BBC done anything streaming related? Because they license and own a lot of content. They're they're on Netflix. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah a lot yeah. of their stuff is on Netflix, yeah. A lot of the stuff that I used to watch that was licensed by BBC isn't on Netflix. Well, like... Like what shows? Like prior to when Jeremy Clarkson pro- uh, punched his producer in the face, <laughs> uh, Netflix removed all of Top Gear off of Netflix. They had like huh. like one or two oh. seasons left, and then they just recently well, where got is rid it of the now? rest of it? It's gone. Well, because um, I don't I don't think BBC is selling all of their stuff exclusively to one person. I think they're separating their so all the old Top Gear is completely gone. The only place you can find it that I know of is Motor Trend on Demand. They have their own car channel network that they have, and they started their own streaming service. 
Mm. They stream stuff like uh, um, uh, race car, um, uh, uh, what do you call it, tournaments and, and uh, competitions all across the globe. So like Formula One, Le Mans, you know, 24 hours of racing, yeah. GT3 racing, DTM, that sort of stuff. They stream a lot of that. They have their own content where they go to shows and stuff. They make their own shows as well, like Roadkill. They started streaming all the old Top Gear as well, and they picked up other car shows. They bought a lot of the, uh, I think it's called the Velocity Channel that uh, um, Discovery owned that used to be on TV that had a few different car shows. They bought Velocity, and so now they have their own streaming network that's all car related. But oh, as far okay. as I'm concerned, that's the only place you can find Top Gear. Other than that, it's it's gone from the internet. Aside from newer Top Gear with like the newer uh, co-stars that that moved on, and then the other show, the Jeremy Clarkson, Richard Hammond, James May moved on to Amazon Prime, where they have the Grand Tour. Yes, but yeah. that's not the original show licensed by the BBC. The original yeah. show is hard to find now for some reason. There's like 22 seasons of it. I mean, it's possible to say that BBC maybe hasn't and is not currently adjusting to the whole streaming realm as quick as we think it is, perhaps. I mean, um, or either that or some of their older content has just simply begun fading. I mean, honestly, in general, in general, the UK isn't really transitioning to... Oh, no, yeah. They're the new decade they're as a whole. Yeah, so that's part of my um, uh, decade roundup is uh, Brexit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is a good segue. <laughs> yeah. The fact, <laughs> that, the fact that even their shows, yeah. <laughs> I like it. Oh, man. Yeah, so uh, for anyone not up to date on current news, in 2016, Britain voted to leave the European Union, and ever since, they've continued to push that off and, and not vote on it and not figure out what the hell to do since. And the uh, UK's in a... In a, a weird place here because their economy is in the shithole. They've lost like, I think it was like thirty percent of their the value of their currency, and they've stopped becoming a um, major manufacturer in the last decade of like quality vehicles that they used to make so many of. Like Jaguar no longer produces nearly as many cars as they used to, and. They've been bought and sold so many times that no one has any idea who's running them anymore. And yeah, there's just, uh, they used to be like an automotive powerhouse. They used to be a technological powerhouse maybe at some point in time, but they sure aren't relevant in today's day anymore. I, I think I think they tried to do what the U.S. did during, uh, during the economic shift away from industrialization and, and uh, manufacturing into service, service-based economy. You know, uh, financial services and headquarters, yeah. focusing more like airline services, for example. America fuels seventy percent of that entire industry in the world, in the world, yeah. because we're we're a service based economy, and we were one of the first countries to uh, pierce that veil of, oh, we don't need to manufacture anything anymore. We'll just provide the services to produce the means to manufacture things. Um, and I think the UK may have tried to replicate that in lieu of Brexit. Saying, okay, well, hey, if we can tear away from the EU, we can become a superpower, transform our economy, and maybe dial down the manufacturing. But if even if that was or wasn't, whatever they did do, didn't work. Just clearly didn't work. It's still not working. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. it. <laughs> they're, they're in a mess. Well, they keep postponing Brexit, so they haven't really decided what the hell to do anyways. Yeah. It's been three years now. I don't know how you can postpone something like that that long. <laughs> Three years. I mean, they're not able to... Basically, what it comes down to is they're not able to come up with a plan of exactly how they're going to separate from the EU 
and the EU keeps extend uh, allowing extensions for the deadline. Um, so I, yeah, I mean, they're in this weird limbo state. If, if I was in the UK as a politician and I noticed how long this was going because we didn't have a plan, you know, I think my my rationale and my common sense would kick in and say, hmm, if we don't have a plan and we don't have one for this long, maybe this isn't a good idea. I don't just know. Go back to the EU and say sorry. We're like, we don't, can we just like uh, control alt delete that Brexit thing? Like, yeah, let's just... pretend that didn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that that, it was, that year was pretty interesting. I um actually came up with a list of of the last ten years of just random tidbits of info that I thought was interesting. If you guys don't mind me going over that, go. oh no, yeah, um, I mean, it's the end of the year, and, yeah, or end of the decade too. So, so list starts off with two thousand and ten Ford selling Volvo. Um, mm. I don't think it was that big a news, but it was interesting for me because it changed the direction that Volvo was headed, changed the direction that Ford was headed because uh, Ford used uh, and shared a lot of the safety equipment technology and a lot of the stuff that Volvo had developed over the years in their own vehicles and Ford was hemorrhaging money off of Volvo once Volvo was sold they turned themselves around and now they're known for making you know giant luxury cars that are like hugely safe and you know very well equipped uh, whereas before Volvo was just kind of underwhelming um, Ford selling Volvo I thought was pretty interesting uh, next year in 2011, uh, this is not economy-based, uh, U.S. forces killed Osama bin Laden. That was kind of a big turning point for ending a lot of the uh, war on terror in the Middle East. And I mean, we're still out there doing God knows what anymore. But I think Steve Jobs died then, huh? Yeah, same oh, year yeah. Steve Jobs Steve died. Trump died. Finally. I remember. Finally. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. Um, oh, not me choking my cracker there. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, man. <laughs> that guy uh, built one of the biggest companies around today, but he was also known for being a complete asshole, stealing other people's ideas, being a oh. crook in the business yeah. industry. Apparently, terrible person to work for. Uh, yeah. He yeah. he was Slave driver. very well known for having very poor business practices, along with screwing over the people that supported him. Like, for instance, um, developers. Bones. Yeah. Developers Steve, yeah. for the iPhone, for instance. Uh, no, no, no. This is on a much general, more general term. Oh. So developers for the iPhone would often get screwed out of how much money they make or often oh. get screwed out of wow. copyrights claims and patents right. for, for their own software because they were um, their software was on the Apple store. So it was actually, you know, Apple's information and, you know, Apple's tech and whatnot. And so there's a lot of discretion that was like, not discretion. There was a lot of... Uh, um, debate between uh, what was right and what was wrong and you know who who got what property there was a lot of issues with who earned what money and you know n not yeah. just with iPhone and Apple market there was stuff like uh, back in the 90s when um, Apple stole the design for the mouse from HP and then and then claimed it as their own Huh. Uh, yeah, there, there's a lot of info. I don't know. There's a lot of crazy stuff. Talk about an ethical businessman, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what else? Uh, the next year, 2012, Voyager 1 left the solar system. We said goodbye oh, to Voyager 1. Yeah, that was really cool. We got really cool yeah. footage from that, too. Yeah, there was a lot of great pictures that we got back, a lot of cool planets, and uh, Voyager 1 has been really cool for me, especially as a tech nerd, and, and I don't know, that like space is just... Vastly interesting, actually. Just Get recently, there. just Get recently, there. we first time for the first time saw uh, pictures of black holes. Mm -hmm. That's true. 
And that was another thing that happened this year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What else? Um, was it this year or last year that we landed something on a, on a moving asteroid? That was, that, last was last that was last year. year right? yeah, was last year, right? The footage year. on that was terrifying. I think uh, it was. Uh, it was harrowing, really. What wasn't it? The Indians that did that? I, I don't remember. It was, I, it, it, it was not the U.S. I thought yeah. it was the European, uh, like, or, or the U.K. Uh, U.K. or European. Uh, well, I don't think anyone. Right. Yeah, I don't think I don't think anyone in the U.K. have their own space program. I think the EU has their. Space yeah, program. maybe it was yeah. like a European Space Unioners. Uh, yeah. Organization that uh, was cool. The footage from that, that was, was cool. insane. China just recently landed on the dark side of the moon. Oh, wow, like seriously, or? yeah, they landed on the back side of the moon, like the a dark person, side. the no, person, or no, 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 they had uh, a, a rover that they landed on the moon. Oh, okay, huh, yeah, still doesn't beat a person, though. Uh, yeah, <laughs> um, just blasting Pink Floyd. <laughs> what else? Um, other, yeah, other big Floyd. news 2017. The Equifax data breach affecting oh. 243 million Americans, exposing yeah. social security numbers, birth dates, addresses, driver's license numbers, and as a as a sorry and an apology for their massive fuck up, they offered to watch your credit score for six months. Oh, that's nice. Like I don't trust you <laughs> cool. now, but yeah. that's okay. Like I guess I'm gonna have to trust you more. And that's okay. like South Park when they're like, "We're sorry." Yeah, yeah. we're yeah. sorry. It was either a, a small settlement. I think you could uh, you were able to uh, sign up for the settlement and get whatever money comes your way. And I still haven't gotten paid for that, but I remember signing up for that. Or you can get uh, six months of their uh, uh, credit monitoring service, which you know, coming from Equifax after something like that, you don't know how I don't know how much. Yeah. You know, you couldn't watch yourselves. I don't know. I don't want you watching me here. It's all right. No, thank you. Uh, what else do we have? Yeah, there's, um, the the decade in general saw the rise of artificial intelligence computing, uh, and, um, and neural networks, and you, you see a lot of companies popping up trying to design things like robots that can play video games or, and, and learn how to beat people, or uh, you know, figuring out how to perform a certain task. You saw. I think it was Boston Dynamics creating um, robots in, in tandem with these uh, AI networks that allows them to stand up and walk on their own and oh, you know, yeah. move around. Do those crazy cool. stunts and yeah, like, really cool. obstacles. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you see, uh, what else? Uh, this decade we saw the rise of electric cars actually become popular and become mainstream. They've yeah. been around for a long time, but then you have Tesla come in and introduce the Model S, which gets hugely popular. And then the Model oh. 3 becoming the fastest and most selling vehicle in the states yeah uh that's a big deal the um um it's been around since the 80s but it's only becoming mainstream now as well as uh, uh along the same lines tesla has the autonomous self-driving they're not the only ones a lot of companies have been working on this i actually did a uh, uh term paper just recently about autonomous self-driving where i learned about um the government having a program uh, i think it was called the um, uh, DARPA tournament or challenge, DARPA mm. challenge, mm. which is basically um, it covers a 120 mile stretch of land between Los Angeles and, and Las Vegas. Out in the desert, there's a lot of um, open desert road that contains nothing but like rocks and cactuses, plants, whatever. Right. A lot of obstacles. It's not necessarily all flat road. It's kind of a challenging task. And the challenge was uh, the whole point of the challenge is to create an autonomous self-driving vehicle that is able to navigate around this 120 mile course on its own. And uh, it took a couple of years before anyone actually completed the challenge and they did this yearly 
obviously it's a rewarded challenge. So you know, a lot of big companies are coming out to do this, get rewarded to pay money, and then, then you know take it back and continue developing their tech. And it produced a lot of tech. Like uh, um, I think the first one was in a Volkswagen Touareg. And the whole point of, the, of using that car was because everything was operated by the ECU uh, in board. Mm -hmm. And they introduced stuff like, uh, or they didn't introduce it, but they added stuff like LiDAR, which basically scans the ground using laser technology to figure out distance. And then it reads the information given from the LiDAR in tandem with cameras that scans the ground. And then it understands whether or not you can pass over this ground, whether you can drive over it, or whether it's impassable. And then it uses some sort of... Uh, uh, processing computer or like a neural, uh, early model AI used uh, neural networks actually, which is mind-boggling that they started in the 80s. But yeah, processes all this information and figures out, yeah, I can drive over this plant no problem. Or no, I can't actually drive over this plant. It's too big or it's too bushy or it'll screw up the car. Right. Let's go around. Uh, the, uh, the tech has produced, like, gone a lot. What Tesla introduced to the road is it can scan definitive features that are there, like lines on the ground and cars that are moving next to you, with you. But what these autonomous driving techs do is to scan features that aren't quite as definitive. Because Tesla programs, yes, these dash white lines make a lane. But uh, when you're out in the desert and your obstacles are continuously changing and you don't know where you are, you're using GPS to help guide you, but ultimately you're trying to figure out, is this a rut, is this a ditch? What is this? Is this a river? Am I about to drive into a wall, a bush? What is this, a tree? Mm -hmm. And uh, it's a lot more difficult to program something like that. So the fact that that technology has improved vastly is also really cool. Um, this decade has seen a huge improvement in that technology. Yeah, big time. Uh, what else? We have other tech. I thought the uh, home console VR systems were really cool mm -hmm. that, that this That's generation true. got. Uh, you're now able to put on a VR headset and walk around in your room using these camera modules or tracking modules that track your motion and movement and uh, immerse you into this uh, virtual world of gaming or drawing or whatever it is. We're getting pretty close to doing what Ready Player One introduced. Um, I mean, if you read the book, I prefer the book over the movie, but the whole, like, the whole concept that there's a virtual world, you pop it on and you literally do everything in your life in this virtual world from education to video games to hanging out with your buddies. I mean, VR chat room, for example, on Steam yeah. is a prime example of that because people can just hang out with their friends in various locations in this virtual setting like restaurants, bars, playgrounds, whatever. And I think we are starting to see a world like that of Ready Player One where we can do everything virtually. And, and I think we're going to see that in the next, you know, maybe maybe the next decade. I'm maybe surprised decade. we haven't seen anyone adapt any sort of VR system, anything like that, to an educational type at, at some point yet. Like using oh. it to, for instance, I don't know, say for instance for arts, uh, Google had like the paintbrush thing where you yeah. could draw virtually, yeah. but I'm surprised you haven't seen more of that. It's probably or, too expensive right now. It would be interesting to see uh, sort of a, a VR setup for classrooms, maybe let's say there's a lecture going on in Oxford and you want to sitting in the classroom you could just plug it you just wear your vr mm. headset and it's like you're sitting down in class what was the new one there was a new one that just came out that no longer needs a computer anymore that's like actually really good for tracking your controllers it was like the oculus go or something i think it was called 
and uh, has a built-in system that you wear yeah so you no longer need to plug it into a computer where you have your oh. library and process processing power from your computer uh -huh. it's its own uh system oh. and it tracks your controllers and it tracks your room it has a few cameras on the front the only thing was that it still uses accelerometers in the controllers for when the controllers go past your viewing angle point if the headset no longer sees your controller it still needs to track it somehow so the accelerometer tries to track motion and it has a general idea of where it is so it's not perfect because it's no longer using the um, uh, tracking uh, systems that you mount to the wall typically but I mean considering how much further it's gotten how good it is that you don't necessarily need an extremely powerful computer and uh, you can just buy it and use it on its own and it's a lot cheaper. I think it was like three or four hundred dollars. So oh wow, uh, so it's yeah. pretty affordable. So it's pretty affordable. It's pretty good for what it is, and it's getting there. So we might actually see a lot of you know, who knows if they start using this education. Like, I don't know how they would teach math, but like maybe history lessons in the VR or something. Or... Oh, you can. Well, I mean, in Ready Player One, mm -hmm. like you know, you could still write and interact in that world. Yeah. So I mean, you know, math and math, everything I think could. You could teach in the virtual setting. Oh, you know what? Science in VR would be great. That'd be yeah, that'd be oh, excellent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, um, think think about how that will revolutionize uh, homeschooling too. Oh, oh yeah, yeah maybe. Yeah, it'll help. That's a possibility. These are pretty cool ideas. Uh, another uh, piece of technology that's quite interesting is going to be, I think, revolutionary is uh, CRISPR. Yeah. Um, CRISPR. Yeah, CRISPR. Yeah. Uh, so gene editing. Um, oh, you interesting. Might, you might have heard of, um, there was that one kind of a rogue scientist from China um, who uh, edited the genes of an embryo, or mm -hmm. was it some sperm, mm -hmm. that um, now there's a baby, or like a CRISPR baby, born from gene editing uh, to fix hmm. uh, some sort of a uh, genetic, genetic disorder uh, they would have been prone to. Um, and it's, I mean, it's like the next big step in uh medicine is yeah. you know being able to basically fix and eliminate any sort of a genetic disorder in you, people which you know it's is... it's it's interesting i i didn't know about that but i know about the general uh research being done to to correct any type of problems or ailments that can come around at birth or development after birth and there was this one. There was this one speech. Um, a gentleman with uh, autism gave, saying, "You know, do do I not have a right to be mm. born the way I am?" And you know, that was really. I, I'm, I'll be honest. That was pretty thought provoking because you know I didn't think about that. Yeah, we want to correct all these things because better, rationally speaking, yeah, you we, want to try to get better quality of life. Right. We we you know. We know that autism is not something you desire, yeah. but but you know at the same time we have to also agree that it's not. It doesn't mean we want to like kill you or, or erase you. Yeah. You know. It, but well, but I think I think there are some people who are hesitant about it because the people who do have it they feel like well maybe we weren't born the right way. You know, it's and, it's just that, that whole acceptance. And that comes type of down thing. to you know how this uh, new technology will be used and utilized. Yeah. The messaging and the purpose behind it um you know yeah it like like any sort of a big revolutionary technology it's how you use it yeah and yeah. i mean you, you know me i've always been a firm believer that consumers are going to drive whatever they want to acquire and at the end of the day you know there's going to be some people who don't want this and there's going to be some people who are who are going to want it 
And, you know, we're just going to have to let people make those decisions themselves because if they do find out their kid's going to have like cerebral palsy, for example, and they want to make sure they can get rid of that, and they can, you know, I, I believe they should have the economic uh, option to do so if it's financially feasible for them to do it, then pursue it. Well, yeah. 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 Uh, at the end of the day, no one actually wants their kids to be born with the, with things like that. Yeah. Like, although, uh, yeah, that makes sense. Like, would you really want to mess with that that much? But there's always some sort of fear going into something into something unknown that you haven't seen before, done before. But, like, we're not doing it to harm society. Yeah. So that's not the goal. Well, particularly is uh, the, uh, the main concern is what sort of long-term repercussions are there? I guess yeah. because you're gene you're messing with genetics yes. at that point and changing people's genetic codes. Well, what sort of a long term is this going to somehow inc- lead down to another disease or increase cancer rate or some other negative effect later down the line? Yeah. I mean, like I selective picking picking certain selective genes. Breeding. Yeah, selective breeding has been around for a long time. Selective breeding, especially in farming, has been around for a long time. Yes. I mean, uh, that, that's caused side effects, though. That, that's caused some some issues. Yeah. I mean, for example, selective breeding with dogs have caused issues because in health they, issues. they've lost yeah. their health issues. They've instinctively lost some of their uh, um, their abilities to hunt or to function as canines, uh, and and also with um, farm animals. Yeah. You know, um, as as each generation goes on, each farm animal slowly loses their ability to uh, uh, run from predators. You know, so so uh, now it's like if they ever get sent into the wild, they have zero chance. Plants and nutritional values are apparently different from like, um, the, you know, like the grains you would grow on a farm typically are mm. different nutritional values from wild-grown grains I you think, would see in, the, uh, in nature. I right. think the dog thing is less adapting to the selective breeding and more adapting to newer lifestyle, change of lifestyle. Well, I'm, uh, when I'm talking about selective breeding, I'm talking about the crossbreeding projects that we have among the dogs. For example, dogs yeah. that should not be crossbred are. will selectively breed them so that they are crossbred yeah. and they will, do, for example, corkies. Yeah. A huge, horrible, horrible life, but we we love them so much because they're absolutely cute. But they have they have an immense amount of health problems. Yeah. And I think the creator, the Corky, has openly stated that he regrets, you know, creating and breeding the Corky because he feels just awful about well, these animals. You have stuff like, for instance, corn, which has yeah. been high. It's probably the most <laughs> adapted, uh, like a genetically bred plants you can think of because yeah. they look nothing actually like what we think of corn today the yellow yep. bright yellow kernels that Subtle, you know nice and delicious big. yeah uh, it, it, oh, yeah. it actually starts off like a ton of different colors and it tastes really bitter and they're really mm-hmm. hard and you don't want to eat them and like and you find the ones that have certain colors and certain genes and we pick and chose them and eventually we got something that tastes sweet that can be used to break down the sugars that can turn into ethanol. You can use yeah. it to um, turn it uh, turn the sugars into like uh, sweeteners and stuff for foods. So you have fuel, you have food, you have all this different adaptive stuff coming from this one plant that you bred so thoroughly. So uh, your concerns are definitely valid, and there is both ends to the argument. Yeah. So there's always good and bad with everything. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean. I mean. I mean. I mean. When it comes to the plants. As far as that, that's that's only been up. Yeah, I, honestly, um, there's been very little down with it, other than eliminating native species through the crossbreeding. But other than also that, it's also lower genetic diversity, which is not good. That, in that's case bad, yeah. of any sort of a uh, plague 
or any sort of a, a pestilence within uh, plants, yeah. they're much more susceptible. That's true, but but, yeah. I, but but if we're thinking at as like a global community, yeah, I think I think GMOs have been incredibly. incredibly well, they definitely uh, increased the food supply, which is very yeah. nice. Yeah, I mean now food is pretty much treated like a commodity. Now you you could just move to like food being a price at this point because we just have so much of it. Yeah, it's just a matter of processing it now that that is becoming the most popular option. We're not worried about growth. We're worried about the process. At the moment, the world overproduces food. We make more food for the popu- than the population we have. Yeah. The, the, yeah. Only, it's the only other issue distribution. is distribution. But other than yeah. that, we overproduce food. So yeah. food is we, not... We got that, yeah, we got that yeah. nailed for our Which survival. Which is a whole <laughs> different and new sort of a problem for humans. Yeah. Uh, where we have more than enough food. We just don't know how to distribute it. Exactly. I wouldn't call that a problem. It, it's because of economic. It's because of the economic costs. So yeah. not not fiscal, but economic. And and the shitty part about that is is because economic models, you know, nothing in an economic model says that you should just hand the good for free and make it a public good, especially food, because food is perishable, non-durable goods. But it, it's sad because you do have a case where you have a lot of food, but but most companies are willing to just waste it. And allow it to to be rotten or thrown away, rather than distribute it because we have liability concerns. Uh, which, to be honest, I think that one's just a corporate shield that they're using as a liability concern. I think more yeah. or less it's the idea that if you do give a product away for free, you're removing a consumer from the market who will purchase a good. For example, if I give everyone a computer, and and I say, hey, everyone gets a computer for free. Everyone who's selling computers for profit. Are not are those are consumers who will not buy computers for profit. They will receive a free computer. So I think that that is a concern that some companies who manufacture food products, maybe not necessarily farmers, but the processors, so people who make the processed foods, I think that's where their concern is. And I think it's kind of shitty because yeah. we're not we need to rework the distribution model for that. And hopefully yeah. our generation of Psalms majors can go out there and, and <laughs> fix yeah. it. You know, I'm not a Psalms major. I personally am not built for Psalms, but I see the models and they're incredible. You know, now we just need to take the incredibleness we have here and let's go bring it to another country that needs that distribution model and, Wait, and a system. What is uh, Psalms? System operations management. They're oh, the, they're the yeah. ones who design these very intricate, streamlined processes of discovering a bottleneck and then expanding the bottleneck and finding ways to just make you know, a factory do what it does best. Yeah. I mean, they, they're people who drive efficiencies within. Yeah. Yeah. They are the most, they're probably the most efficient people in America. To but be there's very no, honest. There's no real true way to ever get rid of a bottleneck, right? There's always something that's going to bottleneck they, they something They find else. a way though. They find a way. There will like, there will always be something that will bottleneck something else. It's never, nothing is ever perfect or that perfect. Oh yeah. But, yeah, but I mean, they, they expand these models. So, I mean, if they find a bottleneck that's like 0.2 slower than the next best thing, they are going to find a way to expand that bottleneck. And they, they do it in, in, in just outrageous ways. I mean, cereal companies, they did that with, um, with like conveyor belts and feeding systems. They found out if they like widened both ends of the conveyor belt by like two inches, they're, they're saving thousands and possibly millions of dollars in production. Hmm. It, it's the little things like that. And Psalms people are just like, oh yeah, yeah just widen it a little bit and boom, you're millions of dollars saved. Congratulations, Kellogg. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's absurd, but yeah. <laughs> Isn't that more along the lines of like uh, operations engineering or something? Well, operation engineers, I think, collab with yeah, yeah. I, I oh, would yeah, assume yeah, they yeah. work together. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Uh, 
speaking of other kind of major discoveries, this started out in uh, 2000, late 2008, 2000, uh, early 2009, but really blew up in the last decade is uh, cryptocurrencies. Oh, yeah. uh, we've seen the <laughs> boom and uh, fall of cryptocurrency that's kind of uh, came back uh, in the last year or so. Um, yeah, that was all within this decade. Yeah, that was pretty much all within the decade. In 2011, we saw we basically saw the start of Bitcoin, and then in 2017 it exploded. Oh no, no, 2016 well, it started blowing up. Well, well, actually it. Started uh, 2008, 2009, it didn't yeah. really get big or have any real value until about 2011-ish. And then 2013, it had a boom and bust on a smaller scale, but a boom and bust where they oh, I'm sorry. reached 1,000. 2011 was when it hit like a dollar or something, yeah. right? Mm. And then 2013, if I remember correctly, um, uh, was when it breached like $1,000 uh, per PTC. Uh, yeah. Um, and then it sort of plateaued slowly, gained some momentum for the next couple of years until 2017. And I, that's when we saw the, the big run-up. I got to say, if, if, I, if I ever get my hands on a time machine, I think <laughs> that is the point in history I'm going to go in and... You know, you see Back to the Future where he, like, bets on a baseball game, I think yeah. it was, right? And he went... Or, yeah, 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 I'm like, screw that. Go back and buy all the Bitcoin you can buy, and, <laughs> dude, it, you will be set for It wasn't life. even that. From the very beginnings of, of Bitcoin, you could mine easily, like, with a laptop. Right. Yeah, or you would with produce... a Pentium computer, like... Uh, <laughs> I think uh, Papa John sold the first pizza for 200 Bitcoin. Yep. Really? That's yeah. pretty funny. 200 I mean, Bitcoin. I, I mean, imagine that. 200 times what? The, uh, the highest now price? Like, right now it's well, I'm talking about the, the cap. I'm talking about oh. the cap off. 19,900, something like that. So let's yeah. call it 20 grand for, for our sake. Is 200 times 20 grand? Yeah, it's a... $4 million. It's a $4 million pizza. Most expensive <laughs> pizza ever sold, I think. Wow. I'm pretty sure that nails it down, yeah. Yeah, I think so. I can't imagine any other pizza being sold at a price like that. The yeah. fact that they sold the pizza for Bitcoin, though, means that they probably already had some way of turning Bitcoin into cash I, for themselves. I think uh, that was like a local franchise. It was some sort of a local owner. Mm-hmm. So okay. I think possibly the owner of that particular Papa John's franchise just went out on a limb. But this was a long time ago. This yeah. was like 2011, 2012. Mm-hmm. This is like before Coinbase. Yeah. Yeah, this is before all of the giant open platforms that everyone can get into easily to liquidation invest, buy, was, and sell crypto. Liquidity it, was not great. No, back then, then, crypto was a lot more peer-to-peer focused. It was more, hey, anyone selling crypto or anyone want to buy some crypto? And then you find someone and they're like, yeah, you know, and then you do a peer-to-peer transaction like you would normally cash. There were no open platforms for trading or buying and selling crypto. Uh, it was used actually more like a currency than it is now, which was the ultimate goal for it. They bought into it, you know, good for them. But Well, I think that's why a lot of people are a bit concerned about it now than before is because before it was used as a transaction material, you know, but today we're using it as an investment vehicle. And I think that's where a lot of people's concerns come from is because you're gambling on a currency. Yeah. You're gambling yeah. on a currency. Yeah. You might as well put it in a money market and gamble on the pound. 
gamble on. The don't, gamble, don't gamble on the pound. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if, if there were any like options you could select for a pound, you know, and if you wanted to short it, short fine, it. go for it. But, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and I think I think that's why Bitcoin is still having that hurdle among professional investors. I'd say so. If we're talking about like you know um, Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, I think a lot of people are going to be they're going to be resistant to that as of right now only yeah. because it's it's not measurable that's yeah. i think that's the biggest concern is you just simply can't measure the volatility is it currency is it digital gold as they say where yes you treat it like just a you know virtual gold well yeah, yeah. wall right. street wanted to come out with trading platforms for it but like it's called the cryptocurrency how do you you trade money i mean and and that's yeah. the thing you know imagine that like i'm trading my us you know let's just pretend bitcoin's like the euro i'm trading my us dollars <laughs> for your euro in hopes that your euro increases in value but to do so i'm diluting the us dollar by giving you my us dollar Be i mean logically speaking when you're exchanging a currency it's a, it's an x to x ratio in which both sides are having a decrease in their money supply because it is now transferred to an investment of another country. So from an economic standpoint, there shouldn't be a change because the value would be equivalent to the value of the currency you're exchanging, right? So that that's that's the odd part is okay, US dollar, Bitcoin. However, Bitcoin is going to change in value and this US dollar probably won't. That's the odd part. Yeah, so you know, and that, I mean, that, honestly, I think it's exciting for from a, from an educational academic standpoint. I think it's just exciting. It is exciting because it's different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like super. I mean, who knows? Maybe all of our economic theories we had about currency. I mean, I just took a banking and financial institution class. Perhaps all those theories are just flat out wrong, and now Bitcoin's just here to say you fucked up. And it's, here it is. Like, it's a disruptor. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> it's it is a lot a big like disruptor. the Cybertruck, where Elon Musk comes in disrupting everything. Yeah. Yeah. It, I might not like it, or someone else might not like it, but it's different. This decade is just a decade yeah. of disruption, I, I guess. You yeah. Know? A lot of calamity. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I had I had another the two bits of info that I thought were really cool, and I wouldn't call these disruption. This is more just like me nerding out. Is um, uh, last year in 2018, February of 2018, we got to see the SpaceX Falcon Heavy rocket. Mm, which is interesting. Uh, so, right. seven years after first announcing the project, Elon Musk's SpaceX successfully blasted a three-core rocket with 27 engines called the Falcon Heavy into space, capable of lifting 140,000 pounds of cargo in the lower orbit. Its most powerful launch vehicle, in, uh, it is the most powerful launch vehicle in the world. It was built at a fraction of the cost of NASA's newest rocket, and its payload included a cherry red Tesla Roadster. Uh, with a mannequin that was named Starman sitting at the wheel. I did not know that. That's <laughs> yeah. interesting. Uh, power aside, some of the greatest in innovation to come from the SpaceX has been from their reusable rocket boosters. Um, on that day, uh, on that day in February 2018, two recycled side boosters returned to the Cape Canaveral, um, but the central core ended up crashing. Just over a year later, during a commercial launch of the rocket, April 2019, all three boosters from the Falcon Heavy found their way home uh hmm. and spacex managed to figure out basically how to land their own rocket boosters which is amazing and the largest ever commercial rocket built at like a third the price is also incredible because it means that all of a sudden space uh exploration and space launches you know launching satellites moon exploration mars exploration all that stuff has significantly 
reduced in cost. Reduced in cost, yeah. Right. We're now able to do it more rapidly, more cheaply, and there's a lot of people willing to buy into this, to invest into it. Also, less space trash, no? No, the opposite. No? A lot more space trash. Really? Because oh, yeah. I thought the now the boosters that the that they return, they won't. Well, I thought the boosters always just crashed into the ocean and. Or before they would crash break. into the ocean, but as of now, every time you launch something in the space, you're kind of adding to the space trash. Well, um, is is it less than what we already add? Because I know we already add. Space I mean, yeah. Trash, so right? you'll but have one less? less booster or one less rocket, you know, floating out there in space. You'll have that something seems, actually. That seems substantial. Yeah, you'll have something come back actually reuse itself, which reusing you know your rockets makes everything significantly cheaper if you can bring the cost down to the same cost as say uh proportionally to using a vehicle where you don't have to replace your wheels every time you go out and drive to work and back right yeah yeah um you just fill up the tank of gas and you're good to go so you know eventually we'll make it to that point but this is the start this is really cool uh this is you know the start of future exploration and um, who knows? Maybe one day we'll be colonizing and terraforming Mars or something. The, oh, the, uh, the Cherry Roadster, that was Elon's vehicle, no? Uh, I think so. Yeah, that was actually well, his. That was his? Yeah, that was his Roadster. So, fun fact, that car has now traveled more miles than every other car on Earth combined. Combined. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> that's an impressive feat for one car to have traveled... All of the miles. <laughs> yeah, right. And then uh, the last thing I have on the list here, which I thought was uh, extremely interesting for this last decade, was the uh, the construction of the largest hadron collider. Uh, the most powerful particle accelerator ever designed was constructed over the last decade, and it's now online. Located hmm. far underground in Geneva, the large hadron collider features sixteen mile circular tunnel through which two separate beams of protons shoot around at close to the speed of light. And uh, it's brought about a lot of research and technology, and uh, yeah, it just goes on. Yeah, uh, there's just a, like I don't know, so much cool shit that happened this last decade that is coming to an end. Hopefully, next decade is more interesting. But like, yeah, there's a lot of tech from crazy, you know, revolutions to technologies to ridiculous investment stories, like cryptocurrency exploding out of nowhere, and who knows what. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. This this has been a very eventful decade. Just yeah. very eventful. I mean, uh, it's definitely going down in the history books. I can say that much. Also, uh, more on the sort of investing side, it I think has become even easier for people to dip their toes in investing, um, especially with apps now, with just uh, stuff like Robinhood or mm-hmm. um, you know access to uh, uh, the Cash App or. Uh, Oh my gosh, um, I'm blanking on their name. You have an account with them, Peter. Um, Schwab? Schwab, yeah. Charles Schwab. Oh, yeah. Charles Schwab and yeah, their they app. Just, they and... started their new program um, where people can just invest whatever they have. Yeah. Because Charles Schwab used to be, I think they were just exclusively hedge fund and wealth management, weren't they? Yeah. And now, yeah, yeah. And now they've opened up. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. But, but you know, I, I think in a way that also signals that uh, I wonder if they're losing... Uh, what's it? Client selection. You know, they they they've yeah. gone to the point where they've expanded so far in the hedge fund and the uh, wealth management world that they now need to expand and encompass more people. Oh, you know, I th- I think I think a company can only be exclusive and expand to a certain point until they need to become more inclusive with who they're going to start involving. Yeah. 
So, yeah, I noticed Schwab did that, which was interesting. Very yeah. interesting. Robin Hood introduced themselves into uh, uh, micro stocks or micro investing. Or yeah, yeah, fractional shares. Fractional stocks. Yeah, there you yeah. Go. So this is an interesting concept. I know the Cash App is, uh, also has this option where um, you can buy portions of a stock. Um, so they divvy up shares. So let's say you know um, you have an, uh, a share of Tesla. You know it's over four hundred dollars now. You don't have four hundred dollars to spend. You only have a hundred. You can buy a quarter of a Tesla stock and right. own a quarter of a Tesla stock, and the rest of the stock is like divvied up between other investors. Yeah, how does that work um, exactly? It just gives you a percentage of a percentage of a share or something. I would assume because a share so. is technically just a percentage of a company. Yeah, I would assume so. Um, I still have some questions about it, and. I've, Really, what I want to know is, you know, where, what, where are all the sort of, uh, the the. What when is the other shoe gonna drop on this on this like fractional share? Well, like li- liquidity, like a liquidity yeah. of the security. Well, I mean, I think I think they're gonna, or at least they should. I think I I hope they initiated something kind of what banks do. They have a required reserve, in banks. You know, banks can't just. You know, when, when you deposit money into a bank, you have loanable funds for the bank. And the bank's like, cool, I have money. But the FDIC, or sorry, uh, yeah, the FDIC requires you, the feds require you to have a certain required reserve in the event that, you know, a bunch of people withdraw their money. So I would hope that, you know, Robinhood with these fractional shares have, have a reserve. A reserve you know, that liquidity. in the yeah. event that someone decides to liquidate a fraction, you can just pay them their fraction but keep the share. So that everyone else who's a part of the share, you just re, and you just the, re-divide. And then share. the other question that comes up to my, uh, to my mind is uh, voting rights. Who has voting mm. rights for those shares yeah, that are so, split between multiple people? Would it be just uh, the person who has the largest chunk of that particular share, or is it left splits? to Robinhood? Do you give up or? your voting right when you purchase a portion of a share? So yeah. And say, for instance, Robinhood is the holder of that share, and Do you they just have earn the voting money right instead, or like. Yeah. Well, that would bring the question. Oh, well, no, Robinhood would have to initiate the buy. So in that case, yeah. Robinhood would have to buy the share, and then you would purchase just a portion of the share off of Robinhood. Yeah. In which Ro- case, Robinhood would have the vote. They would have the vote because they would be the legal tender and purchaser of the, the share. Assuming that that that's how this works, of yeah. course. Well, I mean, I'm pretty sure on Ledger for a company you can't buy a fraction. You can buy a fraction from a broker. But I don't think on Ledger for a company that issues the shares, the company can't be like, okay, the CEO has bought half of one share. I'm pretty sure you can't. Would this be similar to the way uh, these firms deal with like shorting, for instance? Mm, no, I with think ownership that's ownership of the share. I think that's um, hmm. You know, that's a good question. Actually, I'm I'm not sure how they would go about that. Hmm. That that is a good question. I mean, I would. Yeah, I mean, this is the, that's the thing about fractional shares is it just there's so much questions I have for it. I think it's just safe to just buy it when you can just fully buy it. Because what if the stock splits? What if well, they do a two? What if they do a question, two to yeah. one split? Who has ownership of the new stock that just got given to you for free? Yeah. Yeah. You know, or or what if the company just decides like, hey, I'm going to issue the top ten shareholders with some stock, some preferred stock. And we're, we, you know, Robinhood happens to be in the top ten. And they How about get all dividends? That. 
as well. Would those That's just a good be question. proportionally split up as well? I would assume it would be proportionally split because it's just a dividend per share you have. Yeah. So, I mean, Robinhood, I hope, would be responsible enough to gather the dividends and then have to go through every single percent share. It just... It, I just feel like it's more trouble than it's worth, to be very honest. That's just how I feel. Yeah. I feel like the only point of fractional investing would be just to make the money and forget about, you know, voting rights and dividends and all the other crap. It's for people who, like, might not know as much or have as much to invest. So they just want to make the difference in price less all the other stuff involved with, I mean, that, with investing. That's a scary mindset to have, though, yeah. because the sole purpose of these equity-driven deals, because at the end of the day, you're buying equity from a company. You know, the, the purpose of this is so that you have a voice in the company. You know, when this was yeah. about, the whole point was, hey, you're a shareholder in my company because you helped me. You have a voice. So I'm going to do this business venture. You have such a big chunk of my family, What my, my business. What do you think? You know, and I, and I know nowadays, you know, you, you have 0.001% of the company. So ultimately you have no real voice. You, you don't really have a voice, but in the event that a split happens or a mass sell-off happens that you buy more, I don't know, anything could happen. You know, you, you should probably want to maximize the amount of value you get for the worth. You know, at least that's how I feel about it, you know. Why well, skimp out on anything you can possibly get, even if it's not a lot? Frugality. You know, you got to, everything. Everything yeah. matters. Then yeah. in that case, I don't know how much I would recommend fractional investing, but I yeah, I wouldn't recommend I wouldn't. it. Maybe maybe if we look into it further and see that all these questions are answered, that like we might not have so many questions about the ifs, ands, or buts about how it works. But that's true. Yeah, yeah. until I figure that out, I, I wouldn't really say it sounds like an amazing idea. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think I think you can get the same amount of return from just let alone investing rather than having to do these fractional shares thing. And I mean, yeah, I'm sure there's nothing bad about it. And yeah, I'm sure there's a lot we don't know about it. But we haven't really seen the current platform divert. You know, and we really haven't seen anything do better than it. Because honestly, you can't do better than it. Because you can only do as better as yourself can do. Well, I will so, say that... Know, it, it seems weird. I will say that it makes more sense for companies like Google and Amazon, whose shares are incredibly expensive, to split to become cheaper... To allow you know investors to more openly invest and trade, whereas um, whereas it would make more sense to do that than it would be to be able to buy you know half of a Google stock or. Yeah. I mean, I think it's adverse selection though. I think those companies at this point are looking for certain types of investors. Yeah. that's like why Brooks they stand price. is never gonna split and lower right. the price of their stock because. Yeah. They're looking for uh, certain people to invest. It's it's adverse selection, just like an insurance company is not going to sign, or like auto insurance isn't going to sign on someone who has 20 accidents, you know. Uh, I think a lot of companies who have higher stock prices want to associate themselves with a certain type of branding or a tag. I mean, you're marketing. I'm sure, I'm sure that makes a lot yeah. of sense. You no, know? yeah, that's absolutely true. Um, yeah, so I, I don't think they should decrease the price because some yeah, companies They want to be selective it. with their... Uh, with their mm, People who own their equity. Right. I was, I was going to say customers, but I'm like, that's not really a customer. <laughs> it it kind of makes sense. Owners. Like, for instance, uh, Google and Apple, ultimately in the tech world, their their market caps aren't that vastly different. They yeah. are, but they also aren't. The, you know, they're two of the biggest. And Apple is worth a lot more than Google at the moment, but Apple's stock price is 289 Google is 1362 So, you know, it kind of shows the... It, but, it, but it also shows the structure of the business, though. 
yeah. the finance end because I mean some some finance uh, some financing background for the companies they, they don't want to dilute their equity so you know they might just issue these shares and be like that's it we're not issuing any more so take it leave it and it's just going to stay the way it is and I think that's what Google did because I don't yeah. think Google's issued any more it's been a while mm-hmm. now yeah. I haven't yeah I don't imagine splitting either. I mean, wasn't the last split when they split between G O O G and G O O G L? Oh yeah. (laughs) I think I think that was. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that was the last time we saw the split, or or anything happened in that regard. Someone someone told me why they did that, but I can't remember. Uh, We discussed it here actually, um, because one of them had basically more voting rights than the other. Ah, right. Mm -hmm. So it was to do with like a, a preferred stock over a common stock. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's uh, but ultimately, both of their prices leveled out, and they're, they've been consistently the same price after that anyways. Hmm. Within, like, a dollar or two. Right now, it's a $2 difference, which is nothing, considering that a share is over $1,300. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Well, geez, man. I mean, crap, the end of a decade. I can't believe it. Yeah. Hey, uh, here's... Cheers to... Yeah, the decade, the start of a new decade. Yeah, the start of a new one. To uh, more business, more investing, more tech, more science. Fun tidbit. I mentioned this before. You didn't like it? Nope. No. No. I've never been a big fan of soju, despite being Korean. Really? (laughs) I I like flavored soju, like uh, fruit flavors. Yes, I like the flavored ones, but that one's just. Yeah, it was just straight. I think the sake, the sake was a bit better than the soju. Oh, 100%. Yeah. This is a good there, sake. There's a reason why this is cheaper than water in Korea. Are you serious? Wait, seriously? Dude, li- liquor in Korea is pretty damn cheap. Oh, my God. I mean... No, I, my mom told me, like, these are cheaper than, like, sodas or juice or bottled waters. You can buy that for cheap. These bottles are, like, four bucks or something, or three or four bucks out here. For one bottle? For one bottle, yeah. Oh, wow. You guys got to go to, like, the Korean... Well, you're not Korean. But if you're Korean, you know... <laughs> G-Sun's dad knows um, some of, like, the owners around town, so he he gets the hookups. You know? He gets the hookups. Hmm, that's kind of cool. The sake was good, though. I wonder what percentage it was. It's wine, so it couldn't have been, I mean, rice wine. Sake is never that strong compared to soju. This soju was, like, 17% almost. Yeah. Just, uh... uh yeah. Nah. Nice. Oh, nice. right. The, the tidbit. Um, so, this is something I read and blew my mind, and I checked, and it's true. Apple is five times the market cap of Disney, and Facebook is double the market cap of Disney. That still blows like my that. mind. Facebook really is worth like more that. than Disney. Facebook. I hate that. I really <laughs> hate that so much. Oh, that's crazy. Disney that owns. Everything. everything like all of the media they they've monopolized already and i'm surprised they haven't been broken up yet but i don't know how you're mar- they own amusement parks they own that, those are freaking crazy expensive assets how are they not how are they how's their market cap so low those amusement parks are also attached to like resorts and like 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 yeah. just out here in Anaheim, the Disney downtown, yeah. like all the shopping centers yep. and everything. They down have there. their own boats. They have a fleet of boats for. They cruises. basically own all of Anaheim. I like know. they, I know. <laughs> they have they have their own city. They have uh, amusement parks all over the world. Yeah. There's one in Tokyo. There's one in Florida. They own several different uh, television 
uh, stations. No, no, they own like all of the TV stations. <laughs> they well, own ESPN. They own uh, ABC, uh, Fox. Yeah, they own Fox. Uh, yeah. So they own Fox. the rights to The Simpsons. They yeah. own. Uh, they have their own streaming service. Like they are the news. They are the. They media. own the sports as well because of uh, Fox yeah. Sports as well and ESPN. Mm-hmm. They own. All, they own pretty much all of, uh, sports. Talk about a diverse portfolio. <laughs> yeah, very um, diverse. They own pop culture with Marvel, mm-hmm. uh, and they pretty much dominate the entire box office with almost every. And now Star Wars. Yeah, and Star Wars. Yeah. All of Lucas even Arts. though they suck, <laughs> <laughs> they still make money hand over fist. You know what? A, here's a question: A financer is... did the evaluation on how much money Disney lost by not creating Baby Yoda toys. Oh my god, they yeah. They did a quantified analysis on it. <laughs> and it was, it was several billion dollars. <laughs> Are you kidding me? And the reason they say billion. So, so in America alone, I don't think it was billion. I think it was in the in very high millions. But internationally, because Disney is so popular in so many different nations, it's billions of dollars of revenue that was lost from one product chain because of the fact that that you could have just mass-produced a plushy doll, overpriced it, and distributed it around the world, and profited like 200, 300% from manufacturing oh, costs. Y- you understand how much plushy dolls actually sell for, right? Have you ever bought like a Hallmark plushy doll or something? No. Bought like a card mm-hmm. and seen the dolls? I mean, they're, I bought Hallmark cards. They're absurdly expensive. Holy yeah. shit. They cost like pennies to make, and they sell like... Like a teddy bear for like thirty or forty dollars. No, I know. And no. you look at it, and you're like, that should cost. That should be at the ninety nine cent store. Yeah. And it's like here for forty five dollars, and your mind is blown every time you see that. That's how I so, feel whenever I buy a card from Hallmark. You pay seven dollars for, for a, piece a piece of, of paper, paper, and you're like, God, seriously, like this is this is how much I'm spending on a card. That is an amazing business though, because they've become a standard of American tradition. You go to a birthday, yeah. you go to an event, you have to buy this worthless seven dollar card. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and if you don't, you brilliant. look like a fool. Honestly, like I started giving presents where it's like just the envelope and whatever presents inside and stop yeah. giving the cards. And but and most people don't really care. Most people are happy to just not get the card because yeah. the cards are worthless. But the fact that it became a tradition for so long that it's still openly like the thing to do. You don't even question it. You go to someone's birthday, you stop by Walgreens, you buy a card and you spend money for no reason. And then you hand them this card. They read like the three words that you wrote on there and yeah. throw it away when they're done with it anyways. Well, I, I think it's because as generations have advanced, people have grown less sentimental and less... They, they put less sentiments in what they write in the card and more or less in the gift that they give and in the presence of them being at the festivities. Yeah. Because I think, yeah. I mean, I, I know for us, you know, whenever one of us has a birthday, we throw a party, we all hang out, we all drink, and... That's just kind of, that's it, you know? That's the moment. Like, here's your gift, here I am, and that is that is your card. Yeah. Your card is me just getting absolutely messed up, and happy birthday to you, you know? Like, there you go. There's your memory. Like, you know? <laughs> my grandpa will actually write, you know, best wishes and, you know, this and that. You know, mm-hmm. I, I hope to see the best, yada, 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 in these right. cards. But my parents don't, and then neither do my friends. And so it might have been a thing at some point, but, like, yeah, yeah that's a phenomenal business. It is. Yeah. I mean, kudos to Hallmark. That's probably why Hallmark is even still around right now is because of the damn plushies and because of the cards. And the Hallmark Channel. Yeah. My grandma... There's a channel? There's, oh, yeah. Dude, the, the Hallmark, Hallmark Channel? Bro. 
It's where they have the, <laughs> yeah, it's where they have the Yule log. They have the Yule log on Christmas Day. They run all the Christmas movies. Yep. Dude, they have hundreds of Hallmark branded movies. Uh-huh. And and they are the most stereotypical, the most cliche Romance, stupidest yeah, movies, yeah romance and whatever the, the, the feel good movie and i mean they make you feel good but every single one you watch you can already guess what's gonna happen yeah oh already know what's gonna happen Super here formulaic. yeah exactly he's gonna get huh. with her and yeah. this is christmas day oh they're gonna oh she has a special meaningful snow globe so at the end of the film they're gonna they're gonna reveal it to the grandma or something and oh it's gonna be so heart touching and my grandma will watch this 20 Four seven. Holy shit! Until Christmas was, Day. I didn't know this was a thing. Very yes. popular. Yeah. Hold yeah. Channel. Yeah. It, I, if none of you listening have heard of this, check it out because it honestly is a cult. Like you got it. <laughs> it is a cult. It is, dude. It is bizarre how many elderly people are just so, like, tunnel visioned into this. Yeah. But but it's a real thing. Yeah. Although unfortunately, their business is a dying breed. It is. Yeah. It, it, at some point, yeah. you know, I don't think Hallmark Channel is going to be around very much. But as of right now, they're doing the Hallmark phenomenal. streaming service coming soon. Oh my oh god! No. <laughs> here we go. We're going to make that 360 back in the cable, boys. Right oh. here. Here we go. No, it's not going to be cable anymore. It's going to be the cable of streaming services. Yeah. No. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. You just watch it as Netflix reacquires. No, Disney reacquires everybody back under their their. Or better yet, yeah, it's going to be an umbrella company that's like, hey, buy our bundle of all your favorite streaming services, right? Yeah, here. yeah. Uh, well, bundles. Right now, actually, uh, another thing we uh, forgot to mention for 2019, Disney Plus launched while we are. Oh yeah. Two episodes. Disney Plus is live. The yeah. only place to watch all of The Simpsons. The only yeah. place to watch pretty much everything you love and enjoy <laughs> is there, except for The Office. I, I mean, I'm an Office fan, so I, yeah. I like that. But yeah. all of the old cartoons as well, all those old like black and white Disney cartoons, yeah, are all there. They're a fucking monopoly, dude. Yeah, they they really entertainment and, monopoly. And like I was telling you, it's because their Herfindahl index is just a smidge low enough to not be considered monopolistic. That is the only reason why they're probably safe. Where where do you draw the line of what's deemed a monopoly and not a monopoly? Um, you know, if I remember correctly, I think the Herfindahl Index, when it passes 8,000 or 7,500, that's when, like, the red flags start to go up and you're like, well, you so own 75. is the line. <laughs> it is, yeah. No, it, it really is. Because, I mean, that's how you evaluate who owns the market share and who is dominant in a company or in, a, in an industry. You know, you have in America we have only oligopolies for most industries. Very few are like true market competitive, but in most of our industries, it's oligopoly. Now, what type of oligopoly? It changes. But Disney, I don't think is an oligopoly. I don't think they. I don't think anyone can compete yeah. with Disney. There's just no in the entertainment field. Yeah, no. No, at most it's a Stackelberg oligopoly I in wonder. which there's a leader and followers. Would That's you, the only one. Would you ever see a company like Disney purchase? their competitors and by that i mean like for instance the uh news channels that are opposing to them or for instance uh, they bought fox fox was not very friendly yeah. with disney uh they're not friendly with them but they ha didn't have opposing views they're both republicans uh yeah i mean well so like for mm. instance they buy the democratic news networks like cbs i mean they'd still do it yeah. I mean, because because remember in politics the the only loser is or sorry the only winners are the people who play both sides, and 
if Disney plays both sides, they're the winner. Well, yeah, you know? so, <laughs> but then they would probably definitely get stopped by something like the SEC. Like, that would get prevented. Well, maybe, because news is considered a different sub-industry category than... I mean, you know, you have media, but I'm pretty sure media is broken out to what type of media outlet you are. Or the FCC would stop them or something. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. Or, 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 or would, like, a, draw, a line not be drawn and, you know, they would be the victor in this it, case. It's, it's because they're a part of too many industries right now. It's really hard to know where to draw the line. Because you can't just say because they own a lot in general, they're a monopoly because that's not how monopoly works. But if they had a Herfindahl index of, like, 8,000 in, like, the movie, let's just say, like, movie production, okay, then we would split up their movie production portion of Disney, but nothing else that Disney owns. Oh, but but I don't okay. think Disney has passed the line on any of the industries. They're just everywhere. They're like an octopus. They got an arm in every industry. Yeah, their their fingers in all the pies. Yeah, really. I mean, retail. I hate that phrase, but it's so oh, right. Well, yeah, <laughs> it's a fitting phrase. It is. Yeah. I mean, what they got retail. Now they got streaming service. They got production. They have amusement park and 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 they also have uh, hospitality. Yeah, they have hospitality. Yeah, they're resorts. Cruises. Yep. And I'm pretty sure they have residential. I'm pretty sure they have multifamily and residential. Really? I'm almost convinced. Because, well, I think because when you're looking at like Anaheim, for example, and uh, along the Disney Strip, above those commercial areas, aren't some of those apartments? Not that I know. Or, is, or am I thinking I'm Studio sure. City? Oh, wait, I think I was thinking Studio, Studio City. City. Oh, sorry, my bad. Yeah, but, but I think what Studio City does, I'm almost positive Disney does something like that. Wasn't there, like, some amusement park in Orlando where you could buy an apartment that oversees the park? I could have sworn I read something about that. Maybe there might just be, like, apartment homes available yeah. that are high-rise near the vicinity. I, I know sworn. there's hotel rooms. Oh, or, out. like, room hotel rooms where you could have... There are definitely resorts and yeah, hotel rooms that overlook park. everything. Yeah. Yeah. In the park. Yeah, in the but, park. Yeah. But uh, residential, I'm not so sure. I don't know. I mean, it just seems like why wouldn't they do that? People would go for it. People sure. would buy they it. Would buy yeah. It. Yeah. Well, so then it's not them that's owning it. They own the property. Would they be renting out these homes? In which case, it's yeah, just like they, long-term they, hotels. Yeah, they would buy it. Yeah, I guess it's long-term hotels, just you know, multifamily. But huh? Yeah. No, I know. Disney's just, dude. Dominated. Yeah. Disney is freaking crazy. They are crazy. If Walt Disney can only see it today, he'd be pretty damn proud. Yeah. I can tell you that much. <laughs> would he? I don't know. <laughs> dude, I know why. Hell, dude. Uh, I'd be like, be. nice work, guys. Like, low market cap, but still somehow we're just no. dominating. I don't know. Two, like, was it quarter? Uh, no, $250 billion is not, like, quarter of a trillion is not too low. I mean, I mean that's true, but still. That guy's vision of what his company was supposed to be from the very beginning is not at all what that company is today. Yeah, no. Oh, it's huh. reached far beyond what it. Yeah, that what started off as like an animation studio making Disney Mouse cartoons with mm-hmm. Hitler. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, well, he he was he was anti-Semitic, wasn't he? Yeah, they mm-hmm. had a very large Nazi past, and they've done a lot to erase that. Uh, try and erase that from everything. We've seen that with uh, the the PewDiePie scandal. Uh, I don't know anything. The about the that. first PewDiePie scandal was uh, um, PewDiePie. There's a website called Fiverr where you spend five bucks to ask someone to perform a task, and then someone else claims your five bucks after they've performed said task. And in PewDiePie's uh, case, he spent five bucks to have some people make a video, 
and uh, it was a couple of kids uh, who made a somewhat anti-Semitic video, and he played it on his uh, channel and laughed about it. Um, he was like, "Like this is clearly a joke," and it wasn't him being anti-Semitic. It's just that's the way that it turned out to some people, mm. and so the Wall Street Journal. Um, caught whiff of this and openly called him a Nazi. And oh, because nice. the Wall Street Journal basically slandered his name, calling PewDiePie point-blank a Nazi, uh, Disney, who owned very large studios, and this was like multi-million dollar deals between the studios and YouTube, severed this deal because yeah. Disney didn't want to be associated with Nazis. And so YouTube lost a giant partner and uh, sponsorship from these Disney Studios because the Wall Street Journal, uh, Wall Street Journal, uh, openly slandered uh, PewDiePie and called him a Nazi. So he, he, Disney know, pulled out this massive thing, and then everything came down on PewDiePie for you know him being a Nazi when that's not really the case. Yeah, I mean, I I agree. You know, that's definitely not what happened, but. Uh... There's also got to be this like part of your mind where you're like, well, you know, you, you did something stupid, pal. That was probably not your brightest moment, I'd say. Like well, he, he knows it. And oh, I, knows. I yeah. hope so. Yeah, I mean, it, this is, you know, maybe it shouldn't have gone this far, but he should have known something was going to happen and it was not going to be good. And I mean, it just so happened to have been way worse than what anyone would think. But, well, so all fingers you know, were pointed at him, but... Ultimately, it was Wall Street Journal that started the madness. Wait, aren't they owned by Disney? Wall Street Journal? Uh, I don't think so. Ooh, time to consult the Google because something the tells me they... Yeah, so while you look that up, basically, Wall Street Journal, because they are, you know, a lot of people read them, openly criticized and called the biggest YouTuber a Nazi, that some other News company, uh, some other company completely unrelated... Decided we're gonna pull out because we won't don't want to be related to Nazis, but like that would make you think that he's the first and only source of some form of anti-Semitism on the on uh, YouTube, but that's not the case. There's tons of hate spread all over YouTube, and YouTube has never done anything about it. Um, at, well, at least not openly for a very long time, and they didn't do anything about it until this happened with Disney, and that like Disney only reacted this severely. Because he's the biggest YouTuber, and you kind of, when you think of YouTube, you think of its network of creators, and yeah. PewDiePie being the biggest one is almost the face of it. But everyone pointed fingers at PewDiePie for doing something stupid, but no one pointed fingers at Disney for causing the, uh, the commotion in the first place. I mean, I'll say this. I think the, the largest fallacy we have with, the, with you know these media outlets using the word Nazi and, and targeting these people is... The fallacy is, is a lot of people don't understand when you when you call someone a Nazi, it's not like a very lightly taken thing, and like it, it really it means something. And the problem is, is everyone right now seems to think saying or calling someone a Nazi just because they don't agree with your thought or because they, uh, you know, for whatever reason are against your economic or socioeconomic ideas and ideals, you you can just call them a Nazi. And we've seen this a lot in the political arena where people just call other people Nazis. And you're like, well, you know, that's not really, that's, you can't do that. You if know? I was PewDiePie, I would have genuinely taken action, not necessarily the way he did it. Like, like coming out and saying, yeah, I fucked up is one thing and that makes sense. Great. Yeah. He, it shows that he's learned from his mistakes. But if I was him, I would have sued the Wall Street Journal for slander. 
Because that's that's what it is. Um, because they destroyed brand deals. They screwed over a lot of different things. A lot of people lost a lot of money. People lost work, time over some uh, a claim that they made by calling someone a Nazi openly and causing chaos to ensue. That is most definitely slander. I, mean, I you would, would assume you for would, slander. You would lose, though, dude. No, it's not the so, case. So, what? Come on, man. The, is the PewDiePie legal... actually a Nazi? No, that's not what I'm saying, though. You know how lawyers can... So, for example, in, in any type of case that you're being sued in, most of these cases aren't about what someone is actually being sued for. It's about all the other additional things that you That they sue. lost because of it. Right, or anything else they can stack on top of the charges. For example, when you know when we were talking with Sean about you know how the army works with getting like discharged, you know dishonorably, they yeah, will yeah. stack all of your stuff into one go and be like, "Here you go, bud." Like we've been keeping track of it. You know when you sue someone, you can sue them for one thing, and that court case court case can easily go in another direction in which they're going to say, "You know everything you said is true, but how about this, this, and this, and this?" And they're going to present new evidence that's going to refute the origin of what you're trying to sue for lawyers do it all the time and that's why most of the time it just settles because the lawyers are now playing technicalities and that's how you lose in a, in a settlement and because wall street journal has a huge legal system as well as disney you'll never beat them so wall street journal is actually owned by um the news uh it's literally called uh, news corp um interestingly they kind of they spun off of fox so they're sister companies, but they're entirely separate corporations now. Independent? Independent. Different com uh, companies with their own different listings on the stock exchange. Um, so when Fox got bought up, uh, it did not include the, no uh, the News Corp. So uh, Wall Street Journal is independent from Disney. I mean, I know um, I know. I had one professor who was very into Wall Street Journal for its management, for like the business section. Because uh, they have a lot of different management techniques that they do talk about in there. Uh, but I, I don't really read Wall Street Journal for you know, anything other than business, I don't think. So they are sister corp of Fox, basically? Yeah, they, have, they, they basically spun off from like the same company. And then they became their own separate entities. Um, and then the media, like entertainment side, which was you know Fox, got bought up by Disney, but yeah. News Corp stayed separate and is owned by Rupert Murdoch. Is there a conspiracy here? <laughs> no, okay, okay. That, that'd be interesting to see that both sides were part of Disney. That'd be a totally different outcome then, because then they caused their own chaos. Basically, that would give them a reason to pull out. At is, that, is News Corp so maybe public? in the case that they wanted to. Uh, yes, it is. I wonder if you can look at holdings, like the public holdings. Oh. I don't, that makes that it would, interesting to look at. See, like, if they also own News Corp, at that point, I think they would have easily a monopoly, you know? With all of the different uh, news outlets they would own, Disney. I mean, the Herfindahl Index would have to measure. So, so in a case like that, say that they did have holdings, it means that they both had the same interests. Say, for instance, Disney wanted to pull out of YouTube for a long time now. This would be a way to do it. Is no. to cause some chaos and then pull out because of the chaos to make it look like it was for a different reason to not scare off investors or something. Well, it could be. I mean, I mean, I'm sure. I mean, YouTube's already in hot water right now, along with Facebook and a lot of other type of outlets. So I mean, that that does actually sound like a conspiracy. But that that like the only way you'd verify that is through the holdings, I guess. 
Yeah, and I mean the SEC, you know, freaking goes through that shit very, very yeah. tight. Um, sometimes it's even hard to tell if the SEC is for the consumers or against the consumers in some cases, but um, for the most part, they've been pretty good. Who the fuck knows? It's hard to tell. It really yeah. is hard to tell because because that I mean that's what we're debating right here is the reason why it's hard to tell because Disney is so big and the SEC hasn't done anything about it. You know, it just brings the question. I guess they aren't as concentrated as we think they are. Because they're not the only one. Yeah, I mean... If they were the only one, it'd be a different story. Yeah, no, I guess. They still have competition at the end of the day. They have opposing views still out there and easily accessible. They're, they're not the only one in any of the industries that they're in. They have, you know, their hands spread everywhere, but they're not the only hands there. I want to see what their Irfindahl index is for that. I really want to see it now because it could be it could be really high, but again, not cutting that border. Can you just open and look that up, or is that yeah, a test sure you have can. to perform, a function you have to do? Well, I mean, you're just looking at concentration of market shares in a given industry, but I'm pretty sure you can just look at uh, HHI uh, Disney. Huh. That's uh. Oh you... wow, HHI is Hilton Head Island. That's great. <laughs> Hilton Head Island. No. Damn. Yeah, Disney. Disney. Disney is. They're sort of. They're everywhere, but no, they're not the only one in anything. Like news outlets, they're not the only one. Sports outlets, they have a lot of them, but they're not the only one. Um, streaming platforms as well. They just joined into a market that will soon be pretty saturated, uh, which is already getting pretty saturated because you have a number of streaming services already popping up all over the place. So, for now at least, they're not. Uh, by definition a true monopoly because they haven't fully monopolized everything utilities that's a different story but like they haven't gone into utilities yet like for instance um, uh, my grandpa's apartment it's completely monopolized the only internet service provider you can get there is AT&T wow. so because they're monop they've monopolized that region uh, that entire block or like a city block area um, they raise their prices so their standard prices that you can get everywhere else you can't get there so you call AT&T and you say, hey, I want internet. And they're like, oh, okay, well, uh, your prices are actually double what it normally is. And, they, and you say, excuse me? And they're like, yeah, we're the only service provider in your area. You can get satellite, but satellite's trash. Uh, so, you know, here's your really expensive, really shitty, overpriced internet. So you can't go to, like, Spectrum or Verizon or nope. any of the other providers. It's nope. just... Because, because they have a deal with the city where they're the only owners of uh, utility lines in that area. And so Spectrum and you know Verizon, or not Verizon, Frontier, uh, don't have access to build their towers there or to build lines there. Yeah, it's because, um, it's because uh, internet and um, uh, cable are starting to become public goods now on an economic study. Well, they, they like should be utilities. Well, and no, that's what I mean. Public, yeah. public good of utility. Okay. But but that's how utility companies work as well. It's, they it's just, a public. It's a public good. Some yeah, of them but, are still private. Some of them are still public. But, they, but, but do they good. have exclusive rights to entire uh, areas? Well, I don't think yes. they have exclusive right. Well, they do. They have contracts, and those contracts basically give them sign them over exclusive rights to certain areas. Right, because I mean you can't put two pipelines on top of one another in a. You can. I mean, you can, but would it make sense? Yeah. No. Competition. Competi dude, do you know how much resource we'd be wasting <laughs> for in the name of competition? 
I, I think I think that's what I mean though is public goods are typically created once a good has been deemed so universal to the point where everyone needs has it. to have it yeah. or, or it needs it you know actually and I think internet's on that on the way as much as there. I don't like them do you remember the deal that Bernie Sanders talked about with uh, turning uh, internet yeah. into a public utility mm-hmm. yeah they wanted to put aside what was it, like 150 billion dollars into creating internet as a public utility for homes across America which yeah um, seems like a good chunk of change. I don't know if that's enough, but it seems like a good chunk of change to do what it is that he set out to do. I want uh, the private companies to build the infrastructure before we institute that. Though. Well, the, the, the issue be, is we actually have already given private industries money to yeah. do that, and then they just didn't do it. No, I know. It's so, just a matter of enforcing. It's so matter in this of case, enforcing. you would have to enforce your subsidiaries. Well, either that or pull them. And, and I'm more I'm more supportive of pulling subsidiaries because I think it's a waste. Yeah, it, it's the same thing when we did when we subsidized higher education. We we fucked up the CPI. Yeah, but the, yeah. It's, so it's how it happens. If you pull it, then you'll see the opposite effect happen, where instead they'll just transfer the cost over to the consumer because they still have the areas monopolized. They could try that, but again, it has to match a CPI level, and I mean consumers need it, but the SEC can then deem the pricing level not right to market efficiency so then then, it'll force them to contort and and move in the direction you could only do that if you've already declared it as a public utility though so you no, no, you you can't no 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 no. sec regulates dude you you can't enter the market and say like here's a one million i'm only going to sell tvs for a million dollars and i'm the only producer of tvs because that's collusion so 18 you can't collude that's yeah yeah, 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 yeah. that's my point so if, if we pull all the money and the internet companies are all like hey we're all just going to substantially raise our prices, and it's been, and let's just say it hasn't been deemed a public good yet. But now there's collusion, and the SEC can step in and say you're colluding. You can't do that. So lower your prices, or we're going to separate you all. Into they could essentially companies. only transfer the cost to the areas where they have monopolized. Yes, but but again, like as the SEC yeah. catches wind of that, then who knows? They'll intervene again. You know. That's why I love the SEC, man. There's a wild card. You never know <laughs> what they're going to do because they either fuck things up really bad or fuck things up really good. I mean, for better or for worse, they're there. <laughs> they're there. Yeah, they're there. We've seen them do good things. We've seen them do just awful things. And so, we'll... who knows? SEC is a, a mystery. Hmm. All right. Well, I, I think on that note, we should end this episode. Yeah. With, uh, actually, let's wrap it up with some uh, kind of a quick... Uh, run through of some advice for uh, oh, good idea. Uh, college grads, recent college grads, or people in college currently. Right. Um, this is actually a suggestion from one of our listeners, mm-hmm. um, and I think I think it's a really great idea. Just kind of um, some quick advice, um, financial and, and uh, economic advice. Um, so number one, uh, while yes, you don't need to do this to know your checking uh, how much is in your checking account but balancing your checkbook uh, is a really useful skill and you don't need to do it on paper you don't even need to technically do it on uh, Excel though you can mm-hmm. I know Mike uh, you know tracks all of his expenses on Excel yeah there's actually apps now well as uh, like mint where you can just track all of your expenses and yeah. you know how much money you get in from your, your work from your check how much you take out for cash on hand, how much you spend in your bills, etc. Um, this is really useful for because it forces you to really kind of understand how much money you're spending 
per yeah. month, how much you have at the end of the month, uh, kind of after all your expenses, and see where your money's going. Um, sort of the same concept behind like keeping a food log. You suddenly realize like, oh man, I'm eating a lot of calories. Oh man, I'm spending yeah. a lot of money on going out. Uh, how can I curtail this? Or I'm spending a lot of money on groceries or credit cards or etc. And then you kind of um, figure out where your money's going and then you can start slimming down and start saving up more money. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that would be my kind of uh, advice. Uh, another point of advice that I think is really useful um, and can come quite in handy uh, is uh, what Peter has done and uh, go to community college. Uh, look, there's no shame with going to community college. Uh, it's really damn affordable, especially when you compare it to other colleges. Yeah. Uh, and you can easily knock out your first, uh, you know, the, all your GEs and all, all your uh, prerequisites and stuff for your major. Uh, for really low. I actually got paid to, to go to school in community college, which is nice. Yeah, uh, when you find uh, when you fill out uh, application for financial aid from FAFSA, uh, the Board of Governors, at least here in SoCal, um, covers your tuition cost for school. So everything you get from financial aid goes straight in your pocket for textbooks, for living expenses, and so on. So I got paid like uh, I think it was two and a half thousand dollars a semester just to go to school. Yeah. Jesus Christ. It's not bad. Yeah. I actually have a tip is, um, um, you know, bachelor's degrees and master's degrees are nice, but don't be afraid to look into technical schools like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, stuff for welding or automotive stuff and, you know, technical schools, blue collar work has definitely become uh, more needed and has uh, fallen off from the markets and all of a sudden they're paying a lot more than they ever did before. And oftentimes you find that they're paying a lot more than your typical accountant or office job and whatnot. Um, yeah, don't be afraid to look into technical schools because oftentimes there's, it's a lot more rewarding than you think it is. And another thing is don't be afraid to just apply for the job on a whim or like even if you have limited experience because oftentimes getting the basic work done or starting off in any industry anywhere is more experience than you'll ever get in your first year or two in universities and companies like Tesla actually openly announced that they're not necessarily requiring a degree from anyone that they hire they want to know that you just have the knowledge to know what it is you're talking about so even if you can learn this stuff on your own and then prove to them that you're smarter than the guy that just walked out with that degree because you've been doing this for years they might look at you well over anyone else with a degree so there's a lot of options to explore other than, you know, you have to go to school, you have to get this degree. So definitely explore your options. Yeah, I mean, explore your options, but at the same time, maximize your doors of opportunity. You know, um, in, in high school, that's when you should be, that's when you should really be trying to do your best because even if you're not going to do school after, it opens up a lot of doors in the event that you do want to go to school or you do want to pursue something else. So, I mean, yeah, that, that's, there's just so much out there, you know, don't, don't seclude yourself to just one thing. Instead, just open yourself up to so many options that your problem isn't, what am I going to do and how am I going to find it? It's what, which one am I going to pick? That is what your problem should be. Another what one is, am I going to pick? It might yeah. sound cliche, but running off of what you say is pursue your interests. If you don't know what yeah. to pick, think about what you're interested in. Think about how you can make money off of what you're interested in, no matter yeah. how dumb or how simple it is. 
You like TV? Well, how can you make money off of TV? What else can you do? Yeah. I don't know. Can you become an actor? Can you become part of TV? Can you sell it to people? Can you become like a what? cinematographer, camera person, uh, directing? Well, whatever. Sort of producer. Pursue whatever. your interests. Yeah, yeah. There's there's ways to. If you like it, chances are you're spending money on it. So chances are there's the opposite side where you can make money off of it. Uh, last thing I would recommend in terms of the finance stuff, though, for for postgraduates, is uh, the term "pay yourself first. Um, this is not a widely practiced term. This is not a widely taught term for some reason. But the concept of paying yourself first when you get your first stable job is don't pay, you know, pay your bills. Pay, pay yeah. what you owe. No, no, no. Uh, yeah, you yeah. know, pay those. But when I say pay yourself first, when you get that bill, set a certain percent aside that you take into your pocket and put towards your goal. Okay? I have 20% as my income. So whenever my income comes in, 20% is immediately taken out and it goes towards my savings or any financial goals I have immediately. And then any other excess I have, pay my bills, pay my other Because I'll tell you why you do that. I'll tell you why. Because when you pay your bills and you pay your rent and you pay all that stuff first and you don't have a financial goal that you're saving up to, all that excess money, you're going to waste. You're 100% going to waste on shit you don't need. Guaranteed. Every American is guilty of this. Every person in the world is guilty of this. Because it's just in our nature. We think we have a lot in our pockets. We think we have a surplus and we're like, you know, I got $20 on my birthday, like free cash, cool. When I go to this next place, I'm gonna use the cash. When in your mind, you should think, okay, I'm gonna pay myself first. I'm gonna pay future Michael this dollars right now towards a house or towards my car or towards something else. Exactly. Because if you don't build those goals, you will never achieve those goals in the future. Yeah. Guaranteed, you'll never achieve them. Yeah. Paying yourself first is the way to do it, and that's what I recommend. You, you store away that money. You, uh, you put it away for your house or yep. uh, whatever big purchase you're re- really saving up towards. Or just, as you said, just a savings account Yeah. Um, for you know, a rainy day fund and whatnot. Yep. Um, also, another piece of advice uh, going off of community college, even if you don't go to community college, really consider a state school. Yeah. Uh, uh, weighing in between like a, at least in here in California, the cost of a, of a Cal State and a UC. Substantial difference. Very substantial. <laughs> and then if you uh, look at a private school, it blows that out of the water, uh, in terms of uh, price to performance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Really Cute. weigh your options there. Uh, uh, state schools can be very good options with really good courses and very like affordable prices. Um, yeah, and then also in terms of uh, paying down any sort of a student loan, um, I would always recommend pay more for, for at least your student loan payments. Always pay more than whatever the minimum requirement uh, requirement is. Yeah. Um, similar thing with uh, credit cards, although if you do have a lot of student loans, I would say prioritize your uh, student loan bills above your credit card bills. Oh, because a stu- lot of people don't realize how much those really add up and how much you end up actually paying. Yeah. Yeah. Because, especially because student loan debt is the only debt that you cannot go away with uh, bankruptcy. Yeah. Um, so I would prioritize those de- those debts above any of the kind of other debts you may have in terms of credit cards or whatnot. Did you know that if you die, your student debt still doesn't go away? Yeah. Really? Your stu- I don't know this where it I goes. Know. I just knows that it doesn't go away if you die. 
I, I think probably gets passed on to an estate. I think. No, I think the country eats it. Really? Yep, I think so. Because it's not backed. Because most of it's federally backed. So if you take if you take a loan that's federally backed and you die, yeah, so you're if you dead. Take, if you take a secured loan. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Well, like, I, I have federal loans, so if I die, the country just took a big old bite out of my debt. Because there's unsecured yeah. loans too that they offer. Yeah, but that's you mean unsubsidized and subsidized. So, so the subsidized loans are what the government's paying interest. Yeah, for yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm using the yeah. wrong term. Subsidized <laughs> and unsubsidized yeah. loans. Yeah, no, it's for both because both are federal loans. It's just oh. one the government's covering the interest accru- accrual during your education, while the oh. other is accruing interest throughout. Yeah. So, like, I have some that are subsidized and I have some that are unsubsidized. It's it's a galore, but I'm but you know you, you typically refi when you graduate so. Uh, get something cheaper because the feds are pretty brutal with the interest rate. That's the thing is not most people don't always do that. They don't think to refi or, or they, buy up a loan. And, no, no, if any of you have price. loans right now, refi right now because <laughs> the economy is so good. Anyone's gonna refi your bullshit. I promise you, and you're gonna get a lower interest rate than what the federal government's offering you, guaranteed. Now, that if is, the market crashes, you're fucked. You're that stuck. That is a great bit of advice for college graduates. Is if yes. you still have loans, refinance them so that they're not. The student loans. Yeah, yeah. Get, because I'm sure I'm sure a lot of them are getting 18%, 15% interest rates. If you refi, Ridiculous. you can get it as low as like 8 to 10. You can get personal loans for like 8 to 9%. You can yep. get business loans for even less than that, depending on where you get them from. And you yep. can just tr- sort of write it off as a business expense, yeah. depending on... Lawyers do yeah. that, I think. Yeah. Lawyers and doctors do that. They write yeah. off their um, education... As, oh, as like an investment sense. for their because by if then they have you're their already own practice yeah. yeah because by oh, then you already that, have your own oh. practice so See? by then it became a good business expense technically yeah uh, in that case yeah no a, a lot of the time um, businesses will often send off their own, own employees so say yeah. for instance you have yeah. a bachelor's degree and you're an engineer and you work for say Boeing Boeing will often send you uh, offer you if they like you enough to go back to school and cover your education. And get a master's degree while you work for Boeing. That way, you have a higher education. You continue working for them, and yeah. they write off your education as a business expense, which is tax deferable. And it's an investment. So yeah, I mean, and it's a win-win. Yeah, so you know a lot of this stuff. Uh, refinance your loans, or or get a job with a degree, and then you know you can continue to go back to school for free. Find companies that like you. Find people that like you. They will offer you things you didn't realize they would cover you. But more importantly, find people that you like too. You know, they'll, they'll yeah. like you, but find a group that you like, find a group that you gel with because if you don't, you're going to hate it. You're not going to do well. I, I have yet to meet one person who has been in a workplace that they hated and did exceedingly well in. It, yeah. it's, diff- you just, it's difficult. A, yeah. uh, a good work environment is incredibly important because you just yeah. won't excel if you don't like the environment. You don't yeah. find uh, purpose or poise to go in and come in and do a good work. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, also uh, utilize and look into all of the various different programs and clubs uh, in your school. Yeah. Um, really go looking and asking around for whatever your interests uh, are or whatever you're majoring in. The book um, of business. So yeah. it Gotta still amazes it. me that people are surprised when I tell them this, but I told them that CSUN was my first uh, decision, and it's a state school. CSUN was my first decision because of their Formula SAE race team. And it's a well-funded program that the school runs, which is basically they have 
a large group of engineers of all sorts from like aerospace to mechanical and whatnot, uh, all the engineering degrees that they offer to work together to build, race, design, engineer, everything, their own race car in the Formula SAE race series. Uh, SAE stands for uh, Standard of Automotive Engineering. Um, it's a fantastic program. I've seen their cars, I've talked to everyone, and I've been going there for months already. And it's a great program. And people say CSUN was your first choice, really? I'm like, yeah, their, their engineering department is really hands-on. It's a lot more te technical than most. And you save a lot of money by going to UCLA and, or Caltech. Why go to research schools where the professors won't even focus on you because they're solely, they're like more um, uh, distracted or focused by their, you know, research topics and uh, grad students because they have grants and funding to uphold and to, to use. So they won't be as focused on their bachelor students as they are in their master's and graduate students. So that's another thing is, you might not necessarily want to consider the number one school in the nation for whatever purpose because honestly the professors might not even notice you or, or remember you. It depends on your style of education. If you can do everything at home, which is honestly what college mostly is, it's like 80% at home, 20% in class, and you don't have a problem with that, you can kind of do everything on your own, go for it. You know, I'm not saying don't try to go to Caltech right off the start, but keep in mind, you know, these professors might not have you as their main focus. Um, that's another thing is about universities is most of your work is done at home. Be prepared to do a lot of work at home because you might show up to a lecture that's an hour long and they expect you to put in an extra 20 or 30 hours of studying a week outside of their class. Yeah. And you might not realize it until you walk into this class and you fail your first class because the workload was too heavy and you didn't do anything in class. That's just sort of what university is, so prepare yourselves. Yeah. No you one can, told me uh, that going you're into You're going to have to read your own textbooks by yourself, take your own notes. Uh, do you, you're just expected to know the syllabus, read it, know when all the homeworks do, when the tests are coming, and etc. So, you know, there's it's much more hands-off and much more on you on terms of yeah. responsibility. Yeah, no one told me that uh, college was mostly at home, but, you know, I, I adapted and I'm still doing it. And uh, it's not as bad as you think, but you have to be able to push yourself or do the work at home on your own. Uh, which is another thing is if you're not interested, you end up not doing the work. So try to find something you're actually interested in. Yep. Yeah. Very true. So I think now to wrap up our uh, advice for uh, college students and college grads. Um, and I think that'd be it for episode seven. Yeah. This so is the last one for this year. Year. year decade. decade. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Um, yeah. So, if we'll you have any uh, next year, actually, uh, I'd like to hear if you guys have any um, uh, comments on what you think was the most interesting piece of news or tech or or events that occurred in the last decade or year. Yeah. Uh, post it on our Reddit. Post it on our uh, or uh, email it to us. Um, yeah. Uh, Probably plug in um, our uh, Reddit is financial decapitation. Our email is financial decapitation at gmail.com. Yeah. Uh, G yeah. At gmail .com. yeah. 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 If you have any advice, comments, questions, feel free to send it to us. And that's a wrap, I think. All right. All right. Sounds good. All righty. Time for some Korean barbecue. Let's All do it. All right.